to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Star Trek II, The Wrath of... Come! Jim! Of course. Oh, cool. I just, like, we painted a big old white swatch yeah, on, see, the, on the waveform there. Sorry, pop in your it's DVD the only way to do it. If you didn't know it was coming, it's your own fault. It's your own fault. <laughs> Basically, uh, your fault now. Pop in your DVD or blurry, press play, press pause when the Paramount logo fades to black. At the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause. And in a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. At which point, I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, with four friends in your head. Those friends this week are myself, as always, Teague Christie, resident Star Trek guy, Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Did someone say Star Trek? Uh, Eddie Sutton Doty. <laughs> That's me. And Troned. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I started because Brian had the Star Trek macro on the forum, right, and then Eddie right. had his, and then yours is just Trump. I still prefer Trump. the exactly. science macro. Thing. Oh, yeah. She, she Brian right me with science. Brian science finished. Right Brian now. me with science. Good. Anyway. At one point, well, I'll, that's, that's a story for a different time. Anyway, uh, Star Trek, the movies, in fact, the show, I, I had very, very little experience with Star Trek at all growing up. In fact, I it got to the point, I think I was 22 when I, I still had literally never seen a frame of anything Star Trek at all. No show, no movie, no anything. I, the first time I saw Star Trek anything was on this podcast. It was the Star Trek Six episode. And since yeah, that time... all ways to get into I know. Right. <laughs> since that time, uh, I've, I've seen all of the original series. I've seen enough of the New Next Generation to know that I'm not going to watch the Next Generation. And um, several of the movies. I, I sat down and watched this, or, or one through five, four, Six. and then six. I didn't watch oh, five because oh, right. you, skipped... you said you said I didn't have to. Well, I said well, I said you should go back to it. I just didn't feel like watching it that night. Five is yeah, where yeah. we meet God again, right? Yes, yes, yeah. the Shatner directed yeah. one. Five, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, God and Spock's half brother, right? And then I loved the ever living shit out of JJ's Star Trek. Um, and going back to this last night, I remember. And so did Brian. I had remember liking it. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. I had remembered liking it uh, when I was watching through them all. But last night, uh, I, I wasn't as big of a fan of this, and I have I have sort of. A dampening opinion of, of of Wrath of Khan, where it's like, is this really that good? So I'm going to be the one that's asking leading questions, trying to get you guys to convince me what's good about it. It's the attack of the clones of the early Star Trek movies. It's like, well, at least it wasn't the first one. Okay, yeah. And now <laughs> I actually like the motion the picture. Of this one. But then again, before the motion picture, I had heard so much shit about the motion picture that I was prepared for like a truck hitting me. I was like, okay, this is just well. Did you, see, did you see? The, Bring you, it on. Did you see the real version, or did you see like the tweaked version that they did? I saw the, the I saw the one with like the 45 minute docking or going to the ship sequence. I don't well, know if that's, that's, that's in both of them. That's both. By the way, yeah. it's. Yeah. I mean. Did the uh, did the uh, V'ger at the end, the giant V'ger, yeah. did it look cool or did it look really stupid? Stupid. Okay. Then probably, it was the original. It probably was the original. Oh, yeah. or, you're very, or you're very critical. Yeah. <laughs> I've never or, seen the tweaked version the, the, you know, the, that they came to years later. This movie has a lot going for it. It has an amazing, amazing little CG sequence in it. And I think Khan, specifically Khan, is really great. I don't like any of the performances in this movie. I was watching it last night. I'm like, these guys are all really awful. <laughs> that and, then, actually- and then I went, well, they qualified for a TV show 20 years ago. Add 20 years of resentment and resting on laurels and you get this. All right, fine. Star Trek. But the only time that I really liked a performance in the movie from a Star Trek cast member was when Bones. Chekhov was, was Chekhov. being all... Brainwave. They put creatures in, in, in our bodies. Not that part. Where he's he's trying to con- <laughs> he's trying to convince the people at Genesis that oh, it's yeah. okay. Oh, and he's being all like zombified. Yeah, that was like I was like, like he's right, a Jehovah's Witness. That's kind of fucking creepy. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, we are coming over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. not right. It's okay. Cancel. Yeah, we come to spread the good, town. We bring anyway, the good news. I figure it's okay for me to have a middle of the road opinion of Wrath of Khan because these guys are gonna are gonna love on it pretty hard. But uh, Wrath yeah, of Khan wouldn't yeah, even be my favorite of the original set of Star Trek movies. I think I prefer. Uh, either Voyage Home or Undiscovered Country more than this. Hmm. And now I can say things like that. Yeah, you actually have a... <laughs> a Down in Front has a teach story arc on it. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Wrath of Khan. Uh, excited to do this commentary. 
not a movie I care for that much. Brian? Uh, I think it's safe to say that I care for this movie a great deal. Uh, this is one, absolutely one of those movies that I can probably recite uh, frontwards and backwards, and I will try really hard not to. <laughs> um, but I, I think that... This I is, want to challenge you to recite it backwards now. Yeah. Ooh. Um, Knock. <laughs> I think uh, this is. I think this is the best uh, Star Trek film, objectively. Actually, in terms of personal favorites, I do like Undiscovered Country slightly more, just personally. But from a sheer like film objective, still filmmaking, storytelling standpoint, I think this is the superior film. And I think that it's easy at this point to forget the incredible accomplishment that this film is. In the sense that it took this this character Kirk in this really popcorn uh, pop culture almost pulp fiction kind of uh, character and TV show of what the original series was, and took this character of Kirk who was godlike almost in, the, in his ability to defy the odds every single week, swashbuckle and, and all that, and swashbuckle his way through any story, and he took that Nicholas Meyer uh, took that character and made that character really honestly and genuinely face death for the first time and, and, and just age and just and the Getting old. And old age yeah, yeah. old yeah. age and and death and doing that i think is such an extraordinary accomplishment it's easy to forget what you know you know because uh wrath of khan is the benchmark that it is now 25 or however many years later it is but at the time, it's that must thirty be, years later. Thirty years, fucking Christ! <laughs> it's twenty twelve. Yeah, Ricardo Montalban yeah, really is, is dead. It really is thirty years. Um, but it's that him doing that and Nicholas Meyer doing that, I think, is a really extraordinary accomplishment that uh, deserves a lot of credit. Cool, Eddie Doty. Yeah, um, what's your Star Trek history? Have we had you on a Star Trek movie before? No, and uh, We've only and done I, the one, haven't we? We've done the two. We've done oh, Undiscovered well, Country the, the, and then the JJ. Yes, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I like. We've done Star Trek supplements. I like Star Trek yeah. a lot. I actually like. Yeah, you know, I like Next Gen. I like original series. I, but I'm not. I'm not anywhere near. I'm like probably like blue or purple belt in, in Star Trek. <laughs> um, you know, Brian's the resident yeah. resident shinpai in this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but, uh, but hello. Here, <laughs> well, no, he and, wasn't even fucking born. No, I, I get. I, hey, I'm, I'm. What I what I will say. Okay, just I'll first drop the old school knowledge first, in a sec. But uh, uh, just, movie on its own. I think the movie on its own. I think it's a good, fun, pulpy ride. I think it starts. It, it's really unique to me because it starts with this. Oddest sense of just weird hints of melancholy and sort of it, it doesn't start. I mean, coming off the last movie, you would expect this to start on a high note, and you know, usually you start on a high note, you bring them down, then you build them back up. This one starts off with melancholy and goes through hell, and then it ends on the tiniest freckle of hope, which I like. And um, I think the last third of this movie is as good as anything ever. I, I, I really like the just the sort of set, and we'll get there, but like the how slow moving those ships get and how much tension is built uh, throughout, and then especially. And then you add in the personal drama with Spock. I, I love – I think it's a great movie crafted. I think Maltabon never, ever got his due as a good actor. And uh, Pauline Kael, the late Pauline Kael, she, she hit the nail on yeah, her head. Of all people. Yeah. Of all people. But she, appreciate. she was the one who really said Star Trek II is kind of amazing. And Ricardo Maltabon is is literally this one of the greatest actors we've never acknowledged. And she's absolutely right. And if you watch what he's doing, it, it chews up the scenery, but in, in a way that's like unique and, and totally believable. You're with him no matter how fucking crazy he's given he is. Shatner a run for his money. Yeah, not many yeah, people he, ever did that. He get, yeah, he really, but he like, but you're with him and you, 
you kind of see his point. He's a he's a terrifying. I, bad I'm guy. totally on Khan's side the entire he's movie. A, he's a terrifying bad guy who has the most legit. I mean, the best villains are not mustache twirlers. They're ones who have who you could go <laughs> yeah. and be like, you know, they it's might like, be right. Dude, you're you pissed. Know? I get it. Yeah. I get it. Uh, on a personal level, uh, <laughs> this is the first movie I ever really remember seeing from start to finish. It was an HBO free preview in '83. I was five years old, and I saw this movie, and my life fucking changed. Like, <laughs> like my fascination with space came from this. Uh, my fascination with just what a movie could do to you. Like, it wasn't just a thing on a screen anymore. It wasn't just a thing. Like, this movie really It wasn't my... lights and colors. It was people. The, yeah, and not just that, but it was just – it was a combination of – It was about stuff. It's what, it's, in my mind, it's what sci-fi does best, which is it – it opens up the universe to talk about very simple human things and the idea of getting old and that one day you're going to die and the people you love are not going to be around anymore it, and and doing that set against vengeance and a very Shakespearean operatic uh, movement. I, I absolutely love this movie. I hope Trey doesn't kill it too much for me today. Uh, or, yeah, I, no, it's, but it, but it's I, I love it and uh, I haven't – normally when I love something, I, I analyze it. I pick it apart. I try to find out about all, all these anecdotes and backstage wonkeries. I've never done that with this movie. I don't care to know. I just want it to be it. <laughs> oh, boy. The movie and, parts. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's, I love it. So. Trey, you came into Wrath of Khan. I'm assuming you saw motion picture oh, at yeah. the time. Well, sure. What was your – when you were going into Wrath of Khan, were you like, oh, God, please not again? Well, yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. Wrath of Khan. It's um, – Going into Attack of the Clones. It's Attack of the Clones. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's Nicholas Meyer. Yes, Nicholas Meyer is the J.J. Abrams of the 80s. He took a dead franchise and he brought it back from the dead by, mm-hmm. by revamping it and by not caring about what it was supposed to be. Um, Meyer had never seen Star Trek. When they handed it to him, look, we got Star Trek. It's a piece of shit. Can you do something? And he's like, yeah, okay. And we've just now managed to oust Roddenberry and <laughs> keep him from making yeah. all the decisions. They 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 removed Roddenberry from creative control after the train wreck of uh, the first movie, and uh, you know gave it to Meyer because he was hot at Paramount at the time. And they said, look, we got a franchise. You want to take a whack? And he was like, yeah, okay. And and he did it by not caring about what it was supposed to be and just trying to make a movie out of it. And uh, you know, keeping track of all the things. Um, and, you know, of course, this is all behind the scenes. We don't know this. You're worried it's Attack of the Clones. It's actually Empire. Well, it's like, imagine imagine if, you know, if someone had been over George's head after Attack of the Clones and said, okay, yeah, you made your money back, but boy, the fans just didn't right. like what you did. We're going to let someone else take a whack at the sequel. I mean, imagine if that had happened with Star Wars. You know, it's like what we might have gotten. Like, well, this, this Joss Whedon kid we like. We're going <laughs> to let him take a whack at the next movie. Because, um, you know. Roddenberry didn't own control of, of Star Trek. Paramount was able to, to shuttle him off to the side. So, um, so yeah, after – I mean, let's, let's be clear. I watched Star Trek on NBC in 1966. I saw The Trouble with Tribbles the day it aired. You know, I was <laughs> alive at the time. And, you hipster. Exactly. I was, I, was, I, was there be- I was there before y'all was born, and it's literally true. Um, and it was long before Star Wars. But then the chronology of it was, well, there was Star Trek, and that was awesome. And then it was on syndication and became a bigger thing on syndication. And, you know, there was Star Trek fandom. And then Star Wars came out. And I was like, that was this huge, big deal. And then Close Encounters came out. Like, that was also, hey, they're doing some good science fiction movies. Movies for a change. That's pretty awesome. Which then led Paramount to go, maybe we'll do a movie with this Star Trek thing we own, and then did a complete and total face plant with that. So it's like, well, bummer for you, Star Trek. Star Wars is eating your lunch. I guess you know you don't know how to do science fiction on a big screen. Um, you know, because the first movie was just plotting and awful, and you know, just 
hugely grotesquely over budget. You know, it was like forty six million. That back then, that's yeah, that's it, it, that's hem- Heaven's Gate. That's you know, it's hampered like, by the the rewrites that Roddenberry kept demanding, and the fact that you know, the, and the and the effects, you know, were like they were pushing the effects envelope, and and you know, the 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 film was delivered, you know, wet, as they call it, wet print. Like we just barely got this thing done right. to get it to the theater. So, and it made its money back much in the same way that Episode One made its money back strictly on the interest in wow, they made a Star Trek movie. Let's go see that on assholes like me camping out <laughs> exactly but there was that it, it was very much like episode one like yeah it was good yeah it was really good so there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm when they made another one but then suddenly it was like no this one's fun it's like the show it's right. you know it's an adventure and then the, and the character it's interesting and it's pretty good and so so going into the theater you know there was like a sort of okay well let's see and they you know it's like it really was again after Literally, imagine if you had gone to see episode two of the prequels, and it was suddenly so much better. Not just and it was Empire, not just marginally better, like the real Star Wars prequels, but like really better, and really felt like you know, okay, this is what Star Trek is, and ironically enough, made by a guy who did it by not knowing what Star Trek was. You know, um, the beautiful thing. It's a very interesting story. It is a fascinating story. You're at the point where the Paramount logo has faded to black, as we are here. So put your finger on. Find a button, just any button. You have a piano? Put your finger on a key. We'll see what happens. Push Three, a button. <laughs> Three, two. Oh, Brian's so psyched. Three, <laughs> two. Oh, look at him. All right, here we go. Sorry. Three, two, one. Engage. 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 No, that's later. Can that's I tell later. you the thing that I like the most about this last night? It's in the first third. I like the. Um, there's a moment where you. Oh, I forgot to turn it down. There's a moment in the beginning where are we on Vox. I think it's. Are we on Vox? Um. I think it's I think it's Kirk and Bones, and they're kind of just having like drinks they're in one of their out, apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, it struck me as this. I really love this moment. The two old bros, and one of them is trying to encourage the other to go back into his. It felt very Indiana Jonesy to me. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like this, it, it, it's a very human moment. Yeah. Uh, and it's the sort of moment where you know, like you expect Kirk to reach around, grab his revolver, and then throw it into the suitcase. Exactly. And it's the setup for my favorite human moment in the whole movie, which is the giving of the glasses, which then later yeah. in the Comes middle in the middle of the, of the crisis. <laughs> He has to put on his reading glasses to see the screen, oh, which okay, yeah. is a beautiful. And he, you know, and, and he's just damn. <laughs> like he, he hates that he has to do that, that. He has to put it on in front of everybody yeah, else because he, lo- he looks around. He goes, Fuck. "That's just such a fascinating little well, character." And type. I think it, I think it goes the strength of one of the things this movie does right early, early on on a conceptual level, which is like, look, it's it, it's pursuant to what Trey was saying about you know, Star Wars came out and it made well, what was Star Wars? Star Wars is basically about a bunch of young people. Kicking a bunch of ass and and and, and throwing it's, over it's, a government building. Exactly. <laughs> this is, Star Trek never has and never will be that, and it's not supposed to be that. And early on, they said, "Look, the strength of these characters is this. These people are these age. There's nothing we can do about it. Let's start. Let's there. deal with it. Let's start there yeah. and address it head on with the audience and make that sort of part of the journey of of this movie for these characters. That, that's the real skill <clears throat> and the real accomplishment, I think, of of Wrath of Khan and of Nicholas Meyer specifically. That doesn't really exist today because. Wrath of Khan came about in much the same way as a lot of movies do, where there's you know 20 drafts of this movie floating out there in the studio. They have to go into production in two weeks, and they don't have a, a draft that they can shoot yet. And they kind of reach out to whatever the hot creative guy is hanging around a lot at the moment, and they go, please, just fix this for us and Help make us. it good. Help us. And you know, a lot of times that happens, and we, when we do movies, we're like, okay, well, you can clearly tell this scene is from draft one, and that scene is from draft eight, and they have absolutely no connection to each yeah. other whatsoever. The the same Wrath of Khan had the same origins, but when Nicholas Meyer came in, he looked he looked at all those drafts, and he was able to use his technique as a storyteller to go, okay, to let's pull these elements and these elements, let's discard these elements and tell one cohesive story that has one cohesive theme to it, 
And so it feels like a movie as opposed to a collection of, of scenes. Speaking of which, we're looking at the screenplay credit. He, he actually did a major rewrite, but he's actually not credited. But he, right. Know, like, like often it, can I mean, happen with it. Often can happen with a director. They actually did a lot of Similar writing. Similar to Joss Whedon. Right. Like they don't take the, the, the They brought him in to, uh, to direct, and he's like, but they didn't have a draft for him yet, <laughs> so he's kind of waiting around. So a week later, he's like, hey, guys, you have the draft yet? And they're rather embarrassed to say, no, not really. So he's like, okay, send me what you have so far, which was five or six drafts of the, of the script at that point. And he took a week or two to to make take those drafts and take the elements that he liked and put them into one movie. Another thing they did that I liked is they very clearly and just on a straight up Chiron with nothing else in the twenty third century. <laughs> yeah. People no, who have never seen Star Trek, this is what's up. Because Star Date eight seven whatever fuck you. Which like, was I, which <laughs> was done intentionally to yeah. so they didn't have to peg Star Trek as a specific time in the future because right. you know it's yeah. much. They the did same say way. the twenty third century, but that's as well. Far I mean, as before pe- in the yeah. original series, yeah. uh, right. they they were very vague about it on purpose, and that's why star dates were invented. By the, the way, that something they put here in the simulator in the simulator. Um, we just passed it. It's the only time it appears, but there is this. There it is. No smoking. No smoking, sign. No smoking yeah. on the bridge, um, which Nicholas <laughs> Meyer put in as a joke, and Roddenberry hated. Well, he didn't uh, put it. it the other his other version of it is not as a joke. It's like it's like we've been smoking for four hundred years. I think two hundred years from now we're still going to be doing it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's totally like fair. just to go. By the way. No smoking on the bridge. Okay. Yeah, but who still smokes even now in 2012? Well, I mean, so only idiots, really. Exactly. You know, or cool well, people. Oh, because oh, <laughs> idiots are going to die out in uh, you know in 200 years. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we won't have idiots anymore. Yeah, it's like well, that's that's, that's one of the things. Is like that was his logic at the time. Was like, well, right. you know, it's like we're going to get rid of it, but again. Who can predict the future? It's like who knew you know that who knew that it's cooler to do heroin it's, than it's smoke. Who knew that Kirstie Alley was going to blow up and become four? Exactly, interesting. Kirstie, <laughs> Kirstie Alley. She was nuclear hot back then. Yes, oh, yes, like, she was. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, and uh, there are a lot so of people it, who would so still do her now, just with I, I retroactively. I, I, I do it just to, just to say. I, I if did. you catch her on the you to, know on the on the bell curve when she's in to the, say in I the slept with Savick, you're goddamn yeah. right. Yeah, would. Okay. would you accept the the ne- the, the Savick from the next movie? I haven't. I Robin haven't, Curtis. Yeah, we have to check her out. I, I, I actually prefer Kirstie Alley, and people, Kirstie Alley gets a lot of shit for her portrayal in here as being too emotional, which is it's tough. It's tough because you know you have to do. Vulcan is a very tough character in general right. to play, and Nimoy is really. He, I mean, think Nimoy is up there with Montalban, as a matter of fact, of yeah, oh, creating creating not just this amazing character, but as a result, also this whole race. He has the advantage that of being is very yeah, difficult the to guy do. Right. Who set the standard? Like, but well, that's but the other it. aspect is. Uh, Savick in the scripts, and it says in the in the in the actual scene description that she is part Romulan and therefore is not completely emotionless. Right, and that I yeah. personally I well, see that as part of her performance. I think that's something she's doing intentionally. But she gets a lot of shit for not being <laughs> okay. Vulcan. First of all, this is a pretty awesome simulation they have. Uh, two, <laughs> they, they, second, two words: fuses. Um, they, they have, they have, like, they have fire pots. Every floor. time they get hit, the fucking bridge explodes. This is poor design. Yeah, that's, I, I don't want that. But that's, um, uh, but that's why they they even simulate oh. it. Like, see if you get hit by anything, the bridge is going to fucking explode. <laughs> by the way. For our next round of ships, guys, I love the firecrackers and everything, but I don't think it's helping. Why do we have high explosives but it's so under, the, cool. under all the chairs? Every time we get hit, it blows up. It's awesome. I know, Jerry. I know. Well, to be completely fair, when I was in, when I was in boot camp and we did our, our field training exercises and we would do like simulated you know, uh, two-way, two-way firefights, <laughs> Braden's like... No smoking on the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, people like would make that joke. Yeah, um, they, you know, they would they would have these like they would have like simulated artillery with like whistles and flashes and stuff like that, and we would fire blanks, and we were told to die. Certain people were told to die in place to simulate that, and I was told to die in place, and I, I basically stood up and emptied my clip and gave the most dramatic shame like, <laughs> death I can possibly you think bastards. of. Yeah, I was like firing into the sky, like. But uh, no, the other thing I was gonna say, I really like the uniforms in this one. It's a it's a it's a radical sort of like reworking from the first movie. 
movie and especially from the original series these are more alike like real you could see this as like a naval uniform and there was Nazi objection yeah. to that that was yeah. one of the other things yeah. that Meyer brought in he goes it's, it's realistic I hate it he made, it's, they, he made it he, well it's he, militaristic he brought back the more military aspect which, yeah. which uh, you know as the first one where everyone's wearing like their leisure suit outfits like, right, you know, right, like, right. And then this is all about no this is military this is a military thing jumpers, Starfleet yeah. is not supposed to be militaristic it, well, well like, it, it depends it, who you talk to it's a gray area and it depends on it depends on the specific this movie said this movie said it is and according to Gideon's Bible well but Roddenberry's intention was that Starfleet was not supposed to be strictly military. It was supposed to be an exploration. Uh, exploration agency with defensive capabilities. <laughs> so yeah, NASA exactly. with guns. Pretty Actually, that's not... A, yeah, that's well, not or, or the Air Force in space. You know. Air Force in if space. You, if you put Na- yeah, if you put NASA and the Air Force together, Navy in space. Those are the two options. It's like, is it the Air Force that does some research, or is it NASA, research that, guys that, have NASA guns. that has some guns? But, but I mean, know, it, like, it is very much naval in the sense that, I mean, all the yeah. ranks are straight from the from the Navy. The, um, the, the whistle, were, yeah. yeah, the whistle, The I mean, and they, it's a ship. Exit sign, look at that. Dr. Zeb pointed that out. No, but it's but it, they, but they actually time. intentionally built it into the set. Yeah. Well, and as so a great. result, this and in my and I'm just gonna say this: this feels like the most lived-in Enterprise that we've seen up until this point. It and I include the original series. It has that. no smoking signs. I mean, and at least well, there's and, at least they were thinking. You know? In a second, we're gonna get a guy uh, vacuuming uh, <laughs> vacuuming the floor. Yeah, really. Which and these are all intentional things that Meyer did on purpose, and he. He actually took. I think it's in the commentary. He talks about how pissed he was at Shatner for like looking at the guy, because yeah. it's like it's supposed to be just here's yeah, texture to this it, world. Yeah. This world is lived in, but Shatner had to ham it up. By wait, this is guy. the Enterprise. No, this yeah. is Starfleet. Oh, okay, cool. yeah, Starfleet Academy. Okay, cool, cool. But even so, like, look. I mean, there, there's more plants in this one frame than there have been in like five years. Of <laughs> this Star is actually Trek. a forced yeah. perspective miniature. Well, well, I was going to say yeah. that's a hell of a set to be building. And then that was that's another thing we have to bear in mind is you know they 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 went wildly crazily grotesquely over budget on the first one this movie was ridiculously cheap yeah so it's like okay if you can bring in a star trek movie for i mean the budget was it's like 11 million 11 million yeah. for this and movie he was, and he was on he was on time and and, and like on yeah. budget i think so he had to re he had to recycle sets from the first one you know and, and retask them the and, uniforms yeah. are the uniforms are repurposed and then died the yeah. the actual main character ones are new done but the cadet uniforms are repurposed from the first movie and died. That's a nice yeah. little uh, shelfy area thingy with well, his no, boat. There's a little ship. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's, I think it's, I think they're probably I think they're probably literally are they probably literally enterprises. They, they might well be. Uh, this, is, this is this is your this is your scene that you like a lot, and I and I and it's also cool because it's, it's also a very um, what I what I keyed in on initially was oh two old dudes got it, and then this this long blocking where the camera keeps going and changing the shape of the shot without he does actually that cutting. A lot. Meyer does. There's not a lot of cutting. It just, it just struck me as. Those scenes in Indiana Jones movies where Marcus or someone comes in and tells Indiana Jones to go on an adventure. There's right. a, there is kind of a Spielberg quality to the sense that he will just kind of shift the camera around for the, for the block. Now, at the same time, I think the scene has incredibly boring moments, and it's as a result of the way they were directed. Because they do that thing like bad actors do on stage where they just stare into a wall while they're talking to each other. Like, I'm going to walk over to this corner and stare into the, the wall. Yeah, but you know what though? You like, don't know what I've seen. I have many friends. Take who drink. I, I have many friends who I I love dearly and I enjoy their company. But sometimes they'll just go on. <laughs> and and other friends just, that just, you can't stand. No, I'll just zone the fuck out. No, I'll I mean like, like they'll do know. that thing where they're like they're like I can't do this. Step, step over to wall. Stare into wall. I've done this too many times. Oh, that kind of, okay. that oh, kind of thing. It's a, it's a kind of theatrical. Yeah, well, it's uh, very stagey. Which it's, it's, it's a stage very, quality. Yeah. Which you know, Nicholas Meyer came from the stage and he's well. It just sort of weirds me out with the very cinematic device of moving the camera to change the blocking and then also the very stagey thing of I'm going to go say something pithy into this wall and we'll cut away yeah well you know that's you know you, you put Shatner on screen you're gonna get, <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of that by the way keep this in is, mind I had forgotten 
how Shatner Shatner really is. Yeah, but he's I would say the, I would the Shatneriest. Say, I would say I would say he strikes in this movie. He strikes the right amount he does, of Shatner but, as opposed the, to later when he directed himself and right. Shatnered the hell out of everything. The Shatner. Right. He over. Well, I mean, he over Shatnered. It's funny you say four is your is your favorite. Four is definitely the most. I don't want to say I, lighthearted, but it's definitely the most like the airy. fun. It's they they have the most fun. There's a lot of comedy into it. Which by that point, I think everyone was just like, "Let fuck, we're in the we're in present day. Like it's we're fish whales. out of water. What the fuck guy ever. with the mohawk and a boombox yeah, and a whale like, and some yeah. shit." Who later direct Muppet movies? Yeah, what? <laughs> That's Kirk Thatcher. Kirk what Thatcher. did he direct? Which ones? I don't know. Whichever ones he did. Yeah, he know. did. That's I, awesome. I, I heard. I, I don't know specifically. But I don't he's, know. He's been he, with the Muppets. He's, he's the, he was the music supervisor, I think, for Star Trek IV, and that's kind of his. Huh? Like he made that that song that he's actually playing in the scene. But uh, oh, I be right. Yeah. Now anyway. has uh, has oh, I, I don't recall hearing good. this at the time, yeah. but I also wasn't sort of tuned to this channel at the time when JJ's Trek came out. Did anyone say this is kind of Wrath of Khan? It's kind of the same era. Oh, yeah, it was. It, was it has the Kobayashi Maru. Sort of, it has yeah. the lightning storm in space. It has the the guy that someone on the Enterprise pissed off a long time ago coming back for revenge. It has all the That's same what I'm saying. The, the, the same stuff. The, the parallel between this and J.J. Abrams is, you know, there, there was a, you know, not as much resistance that I was aware of as there was to J.J. Like, oh, he totally ruined it. But, there, you know, there was like, you know, Roddenberry being one of them. Like, oh, this well, but, is not but, Star well, Trek. But, but hold ever, on. Ever since, but, ever since Wrath of Khan came out, it has been this touchstone of like everybody – when they go back to to do Star Trek, everybody's trying to do Wrath of Khan over again. Nemesis was the same way. It was uh, John Logan and and uh, Brent Spiner to a certain degree trying to redo the greatness of Wrath of Khan and or, not getting it at all and not I'm, doing it well. I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe it's everyone trying to do Macbeth over and over again well, because, I mean, there's a lot and, of... And Moby Dick. Yeah, Moby Dick. Moby Dick. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of... Yeah, Speaking of someone who's also done a version of Moby right. Dick. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, is, it, is J.J. really truly copying actively? No, 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 you know, no, no. Like, that's but, not my point. But I'm, saying, you, I'm saying the inspiration points are similar and therefore you're going to get the, you know... Yeah, exactly. The, you get two guys so. coming from the same, coming at it from the same angle, basically. But the thing about this one well, is I when I was watching I think there's an element of them going, Wrath of Khan is is the pinnacle of awesome. How can we try to capture that same awesome? And I, I think, in my opinion, both the Nemesis and the new Star Trek, not quite getting a, the, the strengths of it. Well, what's, is what's interesting about uh, one of the complaints about this one, which I think was misdirected, that, that is someone said, well, this is just like a glorified episode of the show. You know, they even brought back a guy from one of the episodes and they said, okay, so it's like a second episode about the same guy. Um, and, and, that's actually backward, I think. I think that's exactly wrong. The problem with the first movie was that was like an episode of the show. Hmm. And the reason was because it's like, here's the crew. And here are two people we haven't met before. Ilya and, you know, Captain New Guy. <laughs> and we have an adventure. And at the end, they proceed on to a new plane of existence. And the crew goes, well, that happened. Who's yeah. hungry? You know, that's <laughs> and everything a, is exactly that's the same. That's a TV episode. Yeah. Nothing changed. This movie said, we're going to put the characters through some shit. Yeah. It's like Kirk banged a hundred women. He never knocked one up on the show. Right, we're right, going right. to do that. And then guess what? We're fucking killing Spock. That was How's right. that? That's the right. other comparison to JJ yeah. because JJ also fucked with the Vulcans. No. Yeah. Well, the, so, but the difference is did, the difference is on a TV show. Every in, everything in has to be example, the same. Everything has to be the same. Have a reset episode. Button, yeah. But so, in a movie, ideally, everything will be different forever and ever. And so ever my, my the point I'm making is, people said, "Well, this is just like a you know big budget episode of the show." Except it's not. You know, they, because, Serenity is a big budget version. They, of they did. He did a really interesting. You know, how, whoever brought in what elements, but however they pulled it together. But it's know. like they 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 tied it to the old show in a direct way. And yet it's very much not an episode of the show because the characters go through actual life-changing events. Right. Yeah. It's like it's latched to the show in the front half, but yeah. the back half doesn't latch to a new exactly. episode. They have real decisions to make that, that's, that that's have one of the consequences. Reasons, that's one of the reasons no it's just more satisfying as a movie yeah. because a movie should be about important shit happening, not like another day at the office, which is what television is about.
Right. Um, by the way, the, the, as a kid, the first thing I noticed about these two was like, wow, that looks a lot like my mom and my older brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Freaky. I, yeah, it, it was kind of – it was kind of So – yeah, I'm, are you Kirk? I'm, I'm, I'm Kirk. No, wait, Eddie what? Kirk? No, you're, you're um, son of listen, Kirk. I, but, uh, Eddie Doty is many things, the, but he was never a Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I love the most. This is the first time they beam down to a planet and they actually need environmental yeah. suits. Yeah, because they actually holy fucked shit, up planet. Maybe not everything is a class in planet. Also, I just universe. recently watched Interspace again. What is it with like protective suits and pinchers? Yeah, pinchers are a thing, especially in inner space. Yeah, it's like pinchers are the, uh, the, the the way that the way that came up is the other day I was having a conversation with someone where it's like we were trying to figure out what the first moment, like earliest in our life moment, we were deeply scared by a movie that we can still remember. Like how young Ooh. I was? I was five. Yeah. It was inner space, and it was that guy with the pincher. <laughs> yeah, the guy in the uh, the souped up armor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the yeah, guy from Mad Max. That that comes from uh, oh, honestly that comes from like the very first automation and like uh, factory lines that have giant yeah just fucking <laughs> things. <And> also <laughs> the original, original like deep diving suits yeah. because you you. Articula- articulating all the fingers is hard. You can so just, it's like just give him a big claw. Yeah. Like, that's it's a it really does. horrible movie called Men of Honor with Jimmy Jr. and uh, and and Robert De Niro. It's it's, it's bad and overacted and wonkery. But what movie? Man, uh, Men, Men of, of Honor. Honor. But man, do about they get? It's about divers. early divers, right? They, oh, it is the, yeah. I saw yeah, that. It is it is insanely accurate when it comes to like the early deep sea divers of the Navy. Like yeah. it is that that is the, the, they get that spot on. All right, you can have a pincher. Yeah. But yeah, I love it. It's like yeah, it's slow moving. You got to have your own environmental suit. Like it's not a particularly hospitable world. It does. It, it, it adds a texture of realism, but also it kind of gives you like, oh shit, Khan's been living in this for how long? Like he's had to survive yeah. this for. Just, you kind of wonder how how did he survive? Right? Yeah. Well, it immediately goes, wow, Khan, you are a badass, yeah, aren't you? By the way, I want to dispel this right now. There have been many, many rumors that Ricardo Montalban's chest. Is a prosthetic? <laughs> yeah, no, it is it not. Is not. No. That's one hundred percent fucking man, right That's there. That's pure that rich Corinthian pure, leather, right there, my friend. <laughs> I'm just glad there's boobs in this movie. Yeah. Tanned and and beaten by the sun for millennia, but it's that is sandblasted. Well, it yeah. looks like Weird Al's Rambo suit in UHF. It does. Now, I was watching this last <laughs> night to refresh myself with someone who had never seen it before, and in fact had never seen Star Trek before. Who was uh, that? Uh, I'm not telling because you know them. Okay. <laughs> what what um, kind of human is that? And this was the point at which uh, two things happened. One, we both went. Fuck those those bugs are scary, and uh, he started to get lost, and I wasn't paying attention at the moment that we we arrived on this planet. So remind me why they came here, what what made them go? We need to land right there. They they are and there's Moby Dick. There was a sign of there's a sign of life. They are they're okay. trying to find a planet to test the Genesis device on. Got it. But be, but it but has to be completely barren of life. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, because the Genesis yeah, device yeah. will wipe out whatever life is already there, so they don't want to do that. It's a reboot. and it's just a fluke that this is where Khan happened to have been banished. Yes, exactly. they don't realize he's there. That's one of the that's, 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 that's one, that's one of the harder things to, to rationalize. Yeah, because presumably they, they also like JJ's trick. They didn't write it down where they left Khan. Oh, someone's on that planet. What are the odds? Well, even less than that. Presumably they would have a map of this planet, and their map would say, "Hey, there are eight planets in this system," and they would show up, and there's only seven, and an asteroid belts that somebody would go. We're here to upgrade your RAM. One quick thing, though, I think what, one thing I really liked, and it's something I, I kind of came upon myself when I was like a teenager and watching it again, and actually having read some of those books. When he's at the uh, bookshelf and he sees King Lear, Moby Dick, all this other stuff, it's it, yes, it's obviously direct influences on the story of this, but they don't try to hide away from it. I mean, Khan goes on to quote it throughout. The I think movie, that's what that's what kind like, of that's dying kind of legitimizes. Yeah, it's like know, all right, that, I, that Khan I, is actually Khan's waited twenty years to use uh, these, these lines. Yeah, that, yeah that, like, I'm finally getting to say the line. If you're reading that's the that, idea. I mean, you, that's. Yeah. Nicholas Meyer's conscious decision was okay. He, if he was stranded on this planet and he only had five books, these are yeah. thematically these are the five books that are the most relevant. Right, and he would in, in really 
be obsessively rereading these same right. five books yeah. over and over and over again for 20 years. Now, now here's, here's where they do point out, uh, you know, it's been retconned in other media, but uh, Khan never met Chekhov. Right. Chekhov right. was not even Chekhov, on the show when Chekhov the Khan joined the show the, nope. the, in the yeah. second season and the Space Seed episode is the first season. Uh, it's been retconned that he was, just wasn't on the bridge, although I'm pretty sure I'd have to go back and rewatch that in the first episode, Chekhov does show up in the original series. They do have dialogue that says, yes, I just joined the ship uh, last week. So uh, did, I had to go back and check that, though. Did Richard Monticello or whatever? Ricardo Montalban. Montalban. Whatever. What? Khan. Did he actually play Khan on the show, too? Yes. 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 Oh, cool. That's the whole point. Yeah. He's, Way he's, to bring him back. You yeah. said you saw the episodes. I, I did. I just didn't put together yeah. it's the now, same guy. I'm sure, I'm sure Brian can probably like point this out. But I figured you playing, put a mullet and big eyebrows on someone, it works. The guy playing Khan's son and the guy playing Kirk's son... Are in an episode of oh he's not Next, his son but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not his son. Are, are in, are in an episode of Next Generation together as one of the early ones one of, yeah. season one I think season one yeah. of, I think it's one of the one. really really bad early ones it's really bad but they play like two sides of like it's actually a drug episode so it's like, uh, like yeah like, and one side is like Irish uh, farmers no, no, they're no. basically a stand-in for those no no that's oh, is that a different the, you... the, the the drug one where like one planet makes this uh, miracle drug that the other planet, the other neighboring planet needs to sur- quote, right. survive, but really they're just junkies. And like and like right, they, and they right, play right. like the leaders of the two opposing factions. It was like a big like now, dog whistle. Just going, saying going no back, to space meth. Going back to the Chekhov thing for a second, um, I was, saw one of the Star Trek movies at uh, one of the theaters around here, and they had a guest for each one, and, and one of them was Walter Koenig, Chekhov, and he told this story about, because I think somebody asked him a question about, well, didn't you know or whatever? And he told a story about how when Nicholas Meyer came on to do Wrath of Khan, he didn't know anything about Star Trek. So Koenig kind of took it upon himself to be sort of the Star Trek consultant, the <laughs> of, keeper of, of the lore. Of all people. The yeah. guy who hates Star Trek more than anyone else <laughs> in the cast. Oh, the, okay. And the, you know, this is totally how Walter Koenig told the story last year or whatever it was. Yeah. <clears throat> but he, he said, you know, Nicholas Meyer came on, didn't really know anything. So I took it upon myself to, to kind of be the consultant of the lore and tell him all of this. And so he... Jesus. <laughs> so... When Nicholas Meyer was like an to me. working out the story, he was like, yeah, well, so we need this character, and it could really either be Chekhov or Sulu. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> and the way Canning tells us, like, yeah, I didn't tell him that I wasn't on the ship at that point. Fair enough. It's like, all right. There you go. And that's how movies get made, kids. <laughs> that's how much we care about your continuity. A really brilliant Keepers thing, of the wiki. A really brilliant like reading of the line that um, Montalban does is that when he says, uh, you know, when, when Kirk found us and Paul Winfield goes, I've never even met Admiral Kirk. Admiral. And he's like, he says Admiral three times and he does it a different Admiral. time. He does it a different Admiral. each time. Yeah. And you can, I just love, like, he is such a single-minded uh, villain and those are the best kind like he's just he has one purpose just pure vengeance and he yeah. sees his opportunity and he just it, it, it's it, he's that's why it's iconic is because it's it has everything in common with every other great vengeance every time they villain. say the name of the planet I always think Chiron Beta Prime <laughs> Merry Christmas I'm, I'm Chiron, Chiron Beta, Beta Prime I was, si- I was singing that song all, all through the holiday that's a really catchy damn song it's a great song and uh, yeah this scene's going on a while uh, it's such a it's, great scene. It really is just, you know, let's point the camera at Monobon and, let and him go. action. His shirt looks like it's made of bacon. <laughs> like It looks like his sleeve <laughs> that is a tasty a shirt. Strip, a strip of dog bacon treat. Mm, sausages. He gets sausages. He also gets the year wrong, I now, think. But. Rewatching it last night. Now, as I said, I'll, I'll give a brief version of the story. I watched through... I, my plan was to watch through all of them, and I had gotten through four that day when Brian showed up and said, I was, I was like, oh, I'm about to watch Star Trek Five. He's like, you have my permission to not watch that. <laughs> and we moved on to six. Skip I, it. Specifically, I said, I'm kind of in the mood to watch Star Trek Six, and you can skip five. So let's just watch six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But on that day, 
I, I really I was startled by how much I liked the motion picture. And then I liked Khan, and then I liked I just liked all of them. And I had my favorites in that day, but I was really into it the whole day. Um, and I remember saying, "Yep, these are good movies. They check out." Watching it again last night, I I I didn't get the sense of greatness out of this movie at all. I was just sort of watching it. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm, you know, movie." It it never it never struck me the way Empire strikes me. But then again, the Empire always strikes me. Um, it never struck me that that way last night. So fucking was, yeah, look at Khan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're crazy. Is it what is it about this movie that is that makes it? Most of the Star Trek fandom agree that this is the best one, and then they have their favorites around that. I, why, I, why this one? I would say, you know, this is going to sound kind of Is that just picking the movie out of the Star Trek movies, or is this like, this is the ultimate Star Trek movie? I, was, I mean, this is going to sound kind of douchey, but it is kind of great in its simplicity. It's a, it's a relatively simple story, but it's, it, I think it, what it does is kind of what Trey was saying, is that it takes the characters that you sort of know and love, and then all of a sudden takes them down a really uncomfortable unfamiliar path in which just pure survival it's not about exploration it isn't about the fate of the universe it's just about their own like survival and it's and it's about sacrifices that people make and sort of and aging and, and like it's it's all these things that are uh, relatable i will never save the universe most likely i will maybe in my life have to make a tough decision to like, well, help not, a friend out not now know? that you're past 30 not that i'm past 30 no it's all gone it's all downhill from here but uh but i mean it's 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 primal and because of that you can take a a pretty primal story and um and and make it fantastic. These things grossed the fuck out of me when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, this was like it's actually ba- it's a really that's a good creature and it's pretty well operated too. Yeah. You know, except the fact that he's going nyat nyat with his pinchers when he should be going <laughs> clack, of like clack yeah. clack. But otherwise, really good, good job. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I think I think simplicity is the, exactly the right word for it. it. We we don't value when something is simple. When something is simple and well done, that's elegant. And elegance is the virtue that you should really be trying to strive for versus something like Inception where it's like, this is kind of just big and complicated and clunky. It doesn't really go together. Two hours in, you're still explaining this to me. Yeah. As opposed to this is like, this guy hates Kirk. Are we good? Right. Let's go. Let's move forward. To make a comparison uh, to another movie we've done at Down in Front, which you can find on on our archive, uh, Master and Commander. At the end of the day, that it's – it's two ships chasing each other. Yeah. It's two ships chasing each other, and then there's there's some deeper character stuff going on, like the stuff they and, have to spend and, time. And the captain and the doctor are pals. And captain, <laughs> and the, and captain and the doctor are pals, and one of them has to make a sacrifice for the other. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, these are not... And the, you don't have to know everything about British naval history to follow that story. No, but like, but the parts that you learn, you get interested and you follow. Yeah. And just like you don't know about intergalactic but, but terraforming. The point, is, the point is that at the core of it, it's not a story about, well, you see, the dilithium crystals will activate the charge at the end of the universe. It's about, uh, this dude's trying to kill us. That ear is made of wood. That, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's not a good, good close-up. Yeah. Yeah, Even at five, I was going like, "That's that's that's, that's, that's that, that yeah. looks like Plato." It's a shame that they followed up the uh, you know the really nice creature by the not that's very really good, his chest, not very good ear effect. Yeah. Monolon, don't and fuck around. He's like what forty or something in, at this age. Oh, he's, 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 he's older than forty. Yeah. He looks Shat- like he was. He looks like someone poured skin into a Jello mold. Shatner, I think, was a little bit bitter because this was right dead set in the middle of his his TJ Hooker days, and and he never and he was still having to wear a fucking girdle. Uh, he, uh, that show. Nicholas Meyer at the Hero Complex Film Festival. He actually said Shatner was desperate to have a fighting scene with Khan. Yeah, desperate. desperate. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to kick his ass with his double axe handle blow. And his, what about the uh, reverse spine kick? Yeah, yeah. The donkey Shat- kick. I, I want to say I don't know if it's Shatner or his choreographers. Anytime Shatner fights, it is an atrocious mess. Like it is. Well, it is so gnar- and and Spock ain't much better. But it's like. Sulu is some bad road going great, on this but show. Like, it, it, Shatner is desperately bad. Listen, I love Star Trek for a lot of reasons, but one thing I can absolutely not give it on any day of the week is its fight choreography. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. The fight choreography in every incarnation of Star Trek is just terrible. 
I got really I got really drunk at the Star Wars or Star Trek experience at the Hilton one year, and they have the statue of the Gort outside of it, <laughs> and I did nothing that, but from like Day the Earth still no the, no the, not the Gort I'm sorry Gorn. The, Gorn. The, Gorn. the Gorn the Gorn the Gorn <laughs> wow go stand outside all right I have a statue I sure hope you lost your job over that one there's a statue consonant wrong Klaatu Barada Nikto motherfucker there's a there's a statue of the Gorn or was it's closed now but and I I and having been drinking nothing but warp core breaches for the last two hours I was I was so drunk I started fighting it and I'm like I'm fighting you better than Shatner and like there's there's photos on the on a line somewhere of me fighting the Gorn doing like the crazy shit because it, the Gorn deserved better I felt Trey I just want <laughs> I just want to give you props because that was a really good Gorn impression that was that was, that was, was that really a good, good. Gorn, that was that was my pure on good no I, I want to make sure we don't blow past that this yeah, is exactly you. what you're talking about in terms of this feeling more militaristic I mean this yeah this, you can't this, get more this, right this, down this to the this dress inspection you know and like yeah. everyone's everyone's in you know they're in class A and everyone ha- it's it feels like you feel the importance also, of his, that's his the, rank d- that dirty joke they just got away with yeah. you know it was like wow okay <laughs> they went there nice Scotty got the fucking clap. Nice. <laughs> now that's uh, Bud Court, right? Uh, no, that's uh, wait, <laughs> no, that I- Ike Eisenman. He, oh, Ike, okay, yeah. Bud Court is dead. Long live Bud Court. Is dead. Bud Court dead? He's not now? dead. He's no, it's dead. a joke. It's an inside joke that no one on the podcast nor anyone hearing it knows from when we watched Dogma and he played God. Yes. Bud Court is dead. Long live Bud Court. I get it. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. By the way, the kid from Harold and Maude played God in Dogma. That's right. You're welcome. The other thing is, is like every we've seen in Star Trek hundreds. Of I, I love how Uhura is reading the book. You're like, oh, the best of times. <laughs> one one time, thing, yeah. real quick. When I saw this in the theater, um, <laughs> a guy, one of those guys that's in every movie, um, a guy in the audience said, "Huh, they're Russian." Actually, watch the scene of these two people speaking, you know, Vulcan, and said they're Russian. The way, the thanks, way, guy, for spelling that out for us. The way they did that wrongly. They, they actually the had them speak uh, English on set, and then invented the Vulcan to dub right. over them later. But had yeah. to. To invent the Vulcan, right. so it was still. I was going to say because right now the, with the muting off and just seeing the subtitle, you can tell it, pretty plainly they're just talking. Uh, funny, kind of similar to that. There's Pat Oswalt has a bit where he went, he goes to see Three Kings in the theater, and it's he, in front of him are the two most redneck people he's ever seen. And on screen at one point, you see Ice Cube, uh, Mark Wahlberg, and George Clooney, and the guy in front of him just goes one, two, three, Three Kings. There it is. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, so you worked that thank out? You, thank you so much for that. Thank you, um, Captain Obvious. My best story from that is when after we watched we, a bunch of the geeks of people and Dave School people saw Cloverfield together, and we all had we occupied this big ass row right in the middle of the theater, and at the the credits, you know, and it's just like white or something like that for a few seconds afterwards, and some someone in the back is like, "Why was it called Cloverfield?" And I immediately <laughs> just went, "Cause Hudson Hawk was taken." <laughs> Badoom. So this is this is the scene that um, is the director. This cut. is the added scene. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's just to establish that this is Scotty's nephew, which will uh, play an important. It looks like oh, baby right, right, Tim right. Roth. Look at him. Um, yeah. Lie to him. Ike Eisenman was did a lot of uh, TV shows. He did a lot of genre stuff too. He was on a, uh, hmm. at least one uh, science fiction TV. Did series. he do amazing stories? I think he looks. From, Everybody he was, did amazing yeah, stories. No, right. He may well have done that. But Mark uh, Singer did amazing. <laughs> um, but. Uh, no, uh, Mark Hamill. But um, no, the, the only thing I was going to say is that we've seen a, a million torpedoes being fired in Star Trek. This is the first time, and it's not they're, now they're in engineering. But suck um, it, suck it. Oh. But uh, <laughs> but you see, you oh, actually see what scene. goes into firing a torpedo. Like it's, it, it's it's nice to actually see. Like oh, it's not just a button they press. Like, it's people it's a do it's a, a weird and interesting Wait, thing. This is the Enterprise is one of those house at Christmas with the orchestrated lighting show. It's a right. re- it's a really interesting thing, and this goes back to the original series as well. Again, it's like the weird sort of you can't predict the future. Is that even in this futuristic starship, they have this very old school way of how they control the starship. Right. Where literally right. you have to tell Call the engine room, yeah. 
go to warp speed, and the warp, and the engine room goes okie dokie, and they and make buttons. it happen. And then, yeah. and then it, that, like, like, there's literally Titanic a guy who has to thing. push a photon torpedo into a photon torpedo tube right. to make it fire. Um, and, they, and they kept that conceit all the way through, and I, well, I'm fine with that. And, but I think it's really that, interesting that conceit that definitely that. exists in the original series. Balance of Terror is you know all yeah. about the people in the phaser room firing and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I prefer to think that. They had it more automated at this point, but just because the shit was beaten out of the ship so much, they kind of had to go back to the manual. Right. Like, and normally, you wouldn't need 20 guys to pull the grates off True. on a normal yeah. day. True, yeah. But because the ship was so fucked up. I wasn't, here for the, I wasn't here for the uh, the J.J. Abrams one, but one of the, my objections, you know, I guess it's me just being a nerd about things, but, like, the very beginning when he, like, the bridge is destroyed, and I have to, you know, the, the, the automatic controls are smashed, and there's only manual. Right. It's like, What's if, manual? <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> It's not like there's a cable that goes to the engine room. It's like if you can control the engines, you can control the engines. You're what not adjusting this, the sails. What is this yeah. bullshit about how, oh, I can't automatically do it. It has to be well, manual. Also the, also, the fact that it's space, so you just need to go push it yeah. forward that way, <laughs> and then you can just leave it. Yeah, it's not like we're navigating to Jupiter. Right. We're just... but it's, not only that, but like in, in TNG, I remember in the next generation, there were a few episodes where, usually in season finales, where some major crisis would happen, they'd be fighting the Borg or whatever. But like when, when shit got really bad, Jordy would come up to the bridge, pull out a cubicle and go, I can control engineering from up here. Like, <laughs> well, wow. We why? should have that all the time. Right. That would, that would make plotting a lot better. Like, that That's would... actually not a bad design idea. We should get, yeah. we should get Starfleet but, to look into that. But here's the thing, though. It's like, it, it, from your little tiny cubicle and one keyboard, what, what does that offer you that the entire engineering bay does not? And like, it's, 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 it's one of those kind of trip-ups that I think they sort of... It's kind, of, well, it's, 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 it's kind of a little backwards. Like it's kind the, of like, okay, if we have to, we can obviously run the thing from engineering and have more access to it. But really, if we just want to make the thing go and stop, we should have that up here, don't you think? Yeah, yeah well, it, I, I would imagine it being the difference between having a computer versus an iPad. You can do most things in your iPad, but sometimes you want yeah, the sometimes you want the whole desk, desktop. To we just saw a guy shit. next to the Enterprise, and it yeah. occurred to me the Enterprise is smaller than I thought it was. The Interpri- they kind of say the scale of the Enterprise... Uh, a, which is I think what this one is, uh, is well, no, not not the A. It's the it's, refit it's version. The refit, but yeah. it's th- this. I mean, the D, which is the next generation version, is like four times as large as the original. And Enterprise. another another very nerd issue with the Abrams one is that their version of this same Enterprise is massive. It's this. It's dwarfs this you know ship, yeah. which is supposed to be the same ship. And it's just like he wanted. Why does he wanted a giant, that massive. He wanted a giant hot rod. That was like yeah. his whole missive was that he wanted a, a giant hot rod. And I gotta say, I like the design of the Abrams. Me too. Uh, I like the design of the Abrams yeah. Enterprise. I like this one too. I don't think it's wrong. You I can you can just, see that yeah, right this model it. is not yeah. quite transparent or not quite opaque. Rather, really. the uh, the thing about the Enterprise is maybe you could, if it was entering the atmosphere out of control and it snapped in half, then you can explain a bunch of UFO crashes. By the way, I want to say this device here, the Genesis device control thing, that was used in V, the motion, uh, the, the television series. This is this is all a lot of this stuff you recognize. Some of this, stuff, yep. some of these props, I think, I swear to God, one of them I think I saw in Lost in Space. Yeah, the, the <laughs> series, not the reboot movie. Yeah, yeah, no, Increase the flash Gordon noise. Put yeah. more science stuff around. Oh, there's, I mean, there's stuff but, uh, from Star Trek and other other things yeah, all over this the is place. All, this is like a, the, uh, every rental house in the in the in the city. The the model of the space station that we just saw is the same as the office complex from the beginning of Motion Picture. Just right. flips up. Upside down with a couple extra greeblies on it. I was watching. Uh, I was watching uh, um, the Twilight Zone marathon, and there was an episode called Uncle Simon, where Uncle builds a, a robot that's shockingly like him. But it's it's the same robot from uh, Lost in Space. It's the same. It's the exact yeah. same one, just a repaint. Is it? Well, that one Robbie shows up or, all over or, the place. Or, or, or it's Robbie the robot, not, not the Forbidden Planet one. No. Yeah. 
Well, that, that's oh, no, I'm that's sorry. Robbie. I'm that's sorry. Robbie. It, it is the Forbidden Planet one. It is. It okay. was the. It was you know the tube for arms. Yeah, Robbie. Robbie head, was. Yeah. Robbie's in everything. Robbie he's, the robot. He, he gets around. He was in Lost in Space. He was in Twilight Zone. He's still around. I mean, I, oh, I, look at ripped Asian guy. He's pissed. Yeah. He yeah. lost his sleeves. He's so pissed. <laughs> Ooh, he's pissed. He's flexing. He's flexing. He's flexing for angrily. Great, for great look justice. At him. Oh, yeah. Look at Let me put my hands underneath <laughs> my biceps so they I am not out. happy Push with this situation. My, my beach muscles aren't as, uh, yeah. as as tight as they should be. Dude, you're looking really cut. That's like that's like shit you do as a 12-year-old to like, impress girls. So it's, like, <laughs> it's like, hey. <laughs> they won't you cross your arms so that your hands are under your biceps. Biceps yeah. and it pops them out and more. Push yeah. them forward. So they, no, wow. I'm not flexing. What are you doing later? You want to get something? Yeah. I'm gonna lean slightly to the side because I don't give a fuck. That's right. <laughs> if a, I had a gun, I wouldn't be holding it totally vertically. I'm a scientist. <laughs> this movie, though, is a great a study in putting every dollar of the budget onto the screen and just reusing yeah. and cutting corners however you can to make sure every value of it is on the screen. The the scientist uniforms are the uh, more uh, uniforms from the motion picture cut up and redyed and redone. Because well, all the bridges are the same bridge. Fuck, I will, never, I will never be as cool as Khan. I will never be that fucking cool. You can't, not many people can wear upholstery and, and make it work. Like yeah, that. <laughs> like pieces of a couch. And, uh, and apparently, Which is literally what it's meant to be. And apparently, the, apparently Starfleet is Muslim because of the half-sickle there. I don't, like, that's just a weird design to <laughs> yeah. have That's the agenda, man. Did the Khan guy, up. Ricardo Montalban? There Montalban. you go. Montalban. Ever do anything Montalban. else? Here's a, here's a fun little... He was in the Spy Kids movies. Fantasy Island is what he's like most commonly known for. But he was he was an actor all the way back. In the 40s. Yeah, back in the forties and like a lot wow. of black and white movies. He did some hammer stuff. I think he did uh is she in her God pajamas? Damn she's in her pajamas. Yeah, she's in her Vulcan space pajamas and holy shit, that she's is coming just from a workout. A a, a Vulcan workout. Mm-hmm. See how can Which you is the best kind. How can you really like work out hard and like really motivate and push yourself when you have no emotion? Like, ah, oh, this other <laughs> rep, logically. This, this yeah. last rep will benefit me. It's important to to keep your body fit. No slight discomfort, no gain. To be unfit is not logical. <laughs> I guess. That's right. Now this is uh, JJ. You know, this, it's this the chat room. Snail says, "Oh, he was the talking cow in Family Guy." There you go. They, this, <laughs> he was the I pinnacle know. of his career. Yeah, that's true. Um, Which uh, a couple years ago, I got to go down for a, a table reading of Family Guy and, and hang out with one of their producers there. And he was telling me, like, yeah, you know, a lot of times we just write roles for guest stars just because we like want to come in and meet them. Right. Which is so sure. awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what Robert Rodriguez did when he put him in, in Spy Kids. That was towards the end of uh, Monobon's life. And yeah. He was yeah. in a wheelchair. He was yeah. in a wheelchair. Yeah. And that's why they made him in that like little floaty hover robot <laughs> carrier thing in that movie. Uh, Harry Knowles, uh, who's like really good friends with um, with uh, Rodriguez, and he lives in Austin. He did a few set visits. And he just had nothing but like complimentary things to say about Monobon. That he's a complete sweetheart, totally humble. And he was always very happy with his career. He never like... He never really had any sort of like, oh, I wish I should have, would have, could have. He was just, he was along for the ride, and he truly loved playing Khan. We're he skipping, we're skipping one of his iconic roles, um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. That is true. Oh yeah, I remember that movie yeah. from seeing it several times. I never saw that movie. Anyway, now did you guys see the documentary The Captains? It's on Netflix now. Yes. I've been meaning to watch it. I almost went to the screening at Comic Con. I, I, I my tooth exploded, so I couldn't. The thing I, actually, I, took... I actually went to the screening at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Uh, the, 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 were I any of the captains there? Well, Shatner was there. Ah, because yeah. he directed the damn. He's thing. always yeah. there. I'm the, gonna uh, probably watch it probably later today. What, what you just said about Ricardo Montalban? I keep doing it right. <laughs> I rule. Montalban. No, you're not doing I it right. I win at it, fucking it, everything. It's, it's like this, Teak. Montalban. Montalban. There you go. Have you ever been to the Monobon Theater down I, on uh, I don't Vine? often watch Khan, but when I do... Anyway, uh, the thing I took... When you mentioned that thing about how he was happy with his career, what I took away from the captains is, like, Patrick Stewart seems kind of pissed. 
<laughs> he I don't think he doesn't. He seems way more psyched about uh, Professor X. Yes, than about being the, the guy from Star Trek. Here's the thing about Stewart. Patrick Stewart had a long, full, satisfying career before Star Trek ever happened. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it hit like, a wall. And then he did that, and that's fine. But like, I think he's probably prouder of his guest spot on Extras than he is of, <laughs> yeah. of many of his. With <laughs> that said, he was which, just very happy to do that guest spot. I think. Right, Let yeah. me just be somebody else here. Which, is, which is, which is crazy because he did some amazing stuff on certain episodes of TNG. And he has yeah. a lot of, and maybe not the movies, yeah, but yeah, it's great. Like, yeah, yeah. it's proud it's, of. He's a really good. It's it's nice that there's a really you know really good actor. Now of course yeah, well he, the, he's following in the great tradition because of course Shatner started as a Shakespearean stage actor. Right, and you boy can you tell? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no because kidding, right. he approached Star Trek like it. But was the difference is Patrick Stewart started as a good Shakespearean right. actor. Right, like, ah, 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 yeah, he's from the same place as Shakespeare. So now I mean, we should we should oh, also have that Spencer's gifts thing. I know it's yeah. like this like this is a dorm room from 1982. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I guarantee you if I could have afforded a giant you know copper. Infinity like, Mirror, you know, yeah. Idic, I would have had that. So, uh, and is that like and, is that like a red jade terrier? Like, what the fuck is that thing on the right? It's yeah. like it's like a it's like a oh, salt. It's, it's the penis from a Clockwork Orange. It's a broke. salt lamp. It's I would like, have gotten <laughs> I would have gotten so much tail if this had been dude. Like I had I, I went through and I, and I really can't explain it. This is one of those things I look back on my life and I can't ever explain myself for this. But I went through a really fucking hardcore blacklight Spencer's bedroom phase where oh, I, I had like a, I had a bead door. I had oh, I had uh, wacky I lava lamps. I had one of these infinitely reflecting mirror things. I had several plasma balls and I do it I did the whole thing it's okay and you did that when you were a child yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Opposed but to dude, it, like 40 but years I, old. I was just so into it man and then I went back home this past Christmas and my mom's like by the way I have a bunch of stuff I'm like oh really what kind of stuff and I go up into the attic and it's like mom this is awesome it's like Greg Brady is living up there to bring back to the movie for a second this is actually kind of a pretty big scene because they're debating whether or not to investigate this communication and you can see like in the back of his head like like Shatner's or, or Jim, Captain Kirk is just like well you know you should technically be the one to take it it's like, and they're like no you, you but, need to but you can see he's trying to do the right thing but in he his own brain he's go going out. I get to be in charge a, a big part of his journey so far is that he's ascended to leadership he's an admiral he's not really out in the field anymore he's is more of just an administrative he took the position. desk job yeah, yeah he took the desk job and he's and it's sl- that is what is slowly killing him. It's the Peter it's principle. Not, it's not the it's <laughs> not the age. And and we should. I mean, the very last line of this movie is him saying, "I feel young," you know, because he he's actually. No, able no, it, to- it's actually, I feel young. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's that's what it is. Is that you don't. It's true. I mean, retirement is the biggest killer in the world. Like you don't feel old until you have nothing to justify your life, and that's what. And and you can see. Spock is he's a Vulcan and he's getting to this point logically, but he's like saying, No, I know you want to get back out there. Yeah. You he's there's he's, precedent. Go he's, do it. He's, Go have fun. He's couching it in logic, but he's actually, you know, dude. Yeah, that half human yeah, side yeah, of him. Dude, yeah. come on. I mean the thing about Vulcans is and people forget Vulcans are not devoid of emotion. They're actually born with more emotion. They suppress it. They 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 spend a lifetime suppressing it, and that's why the very young and the very old go fucking crazy. And when it when um, it comes out, boy. Yeah. <laughs> um but it's uh and that's you know, and so he's able to. The affection he has for Kirk is always there. It's always under the surface, and that's why he's able to say, "Yeah, go, go have fun." Now, speaking of, we were talking no, about this people is what who, you need, and as your friend, I know that's what you yeah. need. So go for it. We were talking about people who resented their characters. Of course, Nimoy didn't want to do this movie mm-hmm. at all, and the reason he did it is because Spock dies. Yeah, that's and, how they convinced uh, cool. him to do it. I was going to say and, when and Brian brought it up earlier, I want to do a dent. I also like Spock in this movie a lot. Well, Nimoy is just you know he's one of those guys that's like, well, he just. 
he just can't he, he can do no wrong it's like he's just like when you get to create the iconic character and then be the only one for 30 years who ever plays the character you kind of get a free pass on that don't you how can you go boy Nimoy really didn't get Spock right, right that time <laughs> right he uh, actually didn't need a lot of convincing to do his guest spots on TNG because they, they gave him something interesting to do on those he, uh, he, he was happy to go back for just a couple episodes because but it, it was different it, it, it was definitely all of the at least the original Star Trek cast members have all gone through these you know great phases. arcs of like been right. really he resentful was, and Sp- Nimoy and, Nimoy I mean, was deep in his I am not Spock phase yeah still. I mean right. I don't think anybody first... I don't think anybody was more resentful than Nimoy yeah, to write an I actual agree. biography that says yeah. I am not and, the, and after the first movie he was like okay I'll do the movie and then the movie was like okay see it wasn't good so screw right. this and, yeah. and so they said look we're doing another one Spock's going to fucking die you and get a death it. scene and he goes awesome I'm in and then the next one they went just one more but we'll let you direct well, see, yeah. and the thing that happened, the story goes that you know that whole the whole idea of the you know the the cop out ending, which in the theater I was like, ah, I was like, oh my god, they had the balls to kill Spock, and then they didn't have the balls to kill Spock. Fuck, right, um, right, but, uh, but uh, that which last... I will give them only because not that we're ever going to do search for Spock. I will give them only because they then had the balls to kill the only other thing that comes even close to meaning something to Kirk, <laughs> yeah. right. which is the Enterprise. The last, the and, last, and his son. Anyway, and the, his son. the idea is the last scene, <laughs> but yeah. no, but I mean in that order, <laughs> the last scene of the movie. Was was a reshoot? You know, they said yeah. they said. Well, you, 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 I think it was studio mandated. It's like, well, you, can we hedge our bets? So they said, yeah. okay. They went and they, you know, they went to the prop department. They got the torpedo thing. They threw it into a botanical garden. They shot a shot of it. Yeah, you know, smoked up the atmosphere. So the story goes that Nimoy didn't know that that shot existed oh, until shit. the screening. He was like, Ouch. "Oh, you sons of bitches!" I, I don't buy that though because the aspect of him putting his Katra into McCoy that was also a hedging of the bets. So right. he had to have known, right? That. Yeah, that's that's a pretty. I don't think. See, see, I think that's a retcon though. All he's doing is saying "remember" and giving him a mojo. You know, the fact that they yeah. said later that's what he's doing. No, I, no, I think that was. I don't I, think it, so. It, because... Even if they didn't, even if they didn't know specifically what they were going to do, they knew that. That was specifically done to give them some kind of outs later on. Yeah, well. The other thing is, uh, and we kind of, we kind of glance past it, but uh, we have our. And I first, prefer to think that they didn't do that. We, we have our <laughs> we have our first uh, con as, as 1.0 Ahab uh, when he says they'll chase him around the Antari yeah, Maelstrom and, and the perdi- there. perdition's flames until I find him, and that's oh, and that's a requote. Yeah, um, which can I can I just say for the record how it w- it's so surreal to watch Barry Bostwick. Do right. say these same lines and just like I could never, I don't know. I, like working with that tough. stuff in the edit bay, I was like, man, this is just really, really weird. <laughs> it's it's like a bizarre. It's like you ate a lot of pizza and shrimp before you went to bed, and then you yeah, have this crazy dream. Yeah. Of, of, of like, Barry Bostwick. Barry was there. was doing. Barry Bostwick was con. What the hell? What the hell just happened? Carol Marcus. <laughs> Carol Marcus. She was a she was a good piece of tail. Yeah, I'm I'm with it. Um, I kind of remember her. Yeah, spot. I mean, uh, Nimoy also. That was kind of his condition for being on TJ Hooker. Is that when you first see he guest stars on TJ Hooker in the or in the episode Vengeance is Mine, and then three episodes later he gets to direct. Both episodes are just fantastically awful, but uh, it's <laughs> and for their own reasoning. But that's that was kind of like you always get the sense that Nimoy wanted to move not just beyond Trek but beyond acting. If you go to his website, his only web presence is Leonard Nimoy Photography, and it's just nothing but photos of naked chicks holding eggs uh and, and that's, <laughs> that that's, that's that naked chicks holding that's eggs. not an exaggeration um but it's you know he you can always tell it's like acting never really defined him not just spock but acting as a whole never really defined Leonard anymore by it the was, way here is your here's your grand alvy ray CG. smith for the win and something which they definitely got their money's worth out of because every time there's a quick in star trek especially next generation when they do like a you know, if Data is watching something and he's watching right. it at like ten thousand times speed and it's just images over images, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
there's they you they cut this up in like three frames each and then nice. uh, use every section of <laughs> it. Just recycle it, recycle yeah. it. Well, recycle. something else of like uh, the climate of the world at this point, early 1982 when we're doing a lot of this sort of pre-visualization, you actually like a lot of a lot of episodes of like Cosmos and Nova were using things quite like this to discuss, you know, various issues yeah. of the day. So when I remember seeing this, I remember thinking like, oh, this is just like Nova, like wow, this is really going to happen someday, you know, like this is it felt like you didn't know how this could possibly work, but you felt like, wow, something like this could happen in the future. It felt just believable enough that you could terraform an entire planet, uh, you know, just, just by and large. I don't know how, but I think we'll get <laughs> it's there. It's the magic bean of the of the story. Yeah, it, it, it totally Give is. Giving grandfather clausing all the magic beans that Star Trek contains already. <laughs> this is the magic bean of this movie. That's now, an interesting a, point we need to talk about is the fact that if you're doing a, uh, a franchise, you're allowed a magic bean per movie, but you do get to bring in anything that's already you, been it's, sort of If established. it's an established thing, you have to go, well, look, we already have all that stuff, so let's just go with it. That's in the bean archive. There yeah, is exactly. a, a fabulous book called Droid Maker that uh, it talks about visual effects and stuff like that, but there's a, a, an in-depth taking you through the process of how they did the Genesis visualization in 1982. Uh, primarily a bunch of uh, old-school ILM and would-be proto-Pixar guys uh, put that together. Alvary yeah. Smith and uh, Ed Catmull and those guys. Droid Maker is the book, and it's really fucking awesome. And uh, Paul Liu in the forum pointed that out to us. So thank when, you, when I, when I think of yeah. Star When I think of Star Trek, I think of scenes like this, of these three characters doing this. Basically, Spock and This is yeah, Nimoy, the core of what the show is, too. Spock, Spock and Bones essentially being the angel and devil on Kirk's shoulder. Or the, as, as someone else says, the, it's the id, the ego and the super the ego. The ego and super right, ego and the id, yeah. And, uh, and, cause and Kirk, Kirk is, comes out as the ego. <laughs> that works out nicely. <laughs> yeah, it works and, just and the id and the super ego. He's all three of them, damn it. Uh, He's the father, son, and Well, he doesn't like to lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like, it's it, it, these scenes are Brian, what... I made a Star Trek joke. There was a, You're uh, good. I like there was a relaunch of a show that was pitched by J. Michael Straczynski for essentially... Uh, essentially what they did uh, in the JJ thing but essentially but it was Straczynski's take on it and he wrote a seven page treatment you can find it online but he basically said in his treatise like no matter what Star Trek will always be Star Trek if you center it around these three characters and they're and if you get these three characters right you can take them at any point in their lives it will still be Star Trek and I kind of agree with that I think I think a lot of the sort of loftier you know hippie ethos that uh, that Roddenberry would try to impart on everything he touched that's all well and good, but Star Trek is essentially these three characters trying to discover and Kirk's debate. Kirk, and Bones? De- debate yeah. different things. I mean, they were basically debating, like, is okay, yeah, we can terraform a whole planet. Fucking is should that, we? Is that good? Is that, is that good? bad? Is that a thing? Is like, it how, just how we deal with it? Is yeah, it, uh, and, and Spock making the point it's always been easier to destroy than create. It's like, well, fuck, no. Well, like, what are we... You're doing the same thing now. Like, these are, these are, uh, these are big thematic issues that they got to they gotta conquer in order to sort of make it through this movie. Uh, that's definitely one of the, uh, one of the greater challenges of putting Star Trek on the big screen, or, and uh, Serenity with the same thing. And taking any TV show that you know the way a TV show is set up, you have to have a large cast, so you have enough people to you know fill episodes, tell with, stories about, yeah. tell stories about for you know twenty four hours a, you know a season, versus a, a movie where you only have two hours to tell a story. You you simply can't focus on that many people on the big screen as you can on the small screen because you don't have that the same amount of time, and that's always been a problem with things like Star Trek because you have. You know, six or seven guys, you know, Sulu would get his own episode, but you just don't have the time to give Sulu all of that screen time. And Meyer knew to like, okay, this, these Sulu and Chekhov and Uhura, they're all there. They serve their function, but the story can only really be about these two or three guys because that's all we really have time for. And that's one of the pitfalls, I think, when TV shows go to the big screen that they fall into. There's a, I, I think that's a pitfall of the Abrams story, quite honestly, is that you know part of the mandate is showing each and giving each and every one of these characters their moment. So the story can't be about any 
single one of them. Well, it's also a reintroduction. Yeah, he had to reintroduce. He had to. That's true. This is who's playing Ahura now. Here is like it's a given. But by the way, back in when this movie came out, a friend of mine made made a point about it. That to this day still is like, well, yeah, that's kind of true. Um, contrast what's going on here is like, okay, so we got the Enterprise with the Starfleet, you know, kid cadet crew. Mm-hmm. And, the, and Kirk is like, oh, my God, I hope we can go into combat because they don't know how to handle a starship. Meanwhile, Khan and his bunch of fucking hippies from, right. from eight years from now right. can walk onto a starship and go, we got this. Right. We got this covered. Actually, from 1996. 1996, exactly. yeah. The, the, not only that, but... Um, so from eight years ago. Eight years ago. There, there's, a line, there's a line where early on where it just we miss it, but Khan, they're saying, Khan, they're requesting communication, and he says, let them eat static. Yeah. Like, everything Attaboy. is just, like, dripping with yeah. hate. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. All right, fine. Okay, you don't want to talk to him. Fine. There's a great moment here, by the way. This guy in the elevator, which is you know, when the emergency don't take the elevator, they say that all the time. But you can actually see um, he's going back up in the elevator, and guys are trying to cling to the elevator, and he's kicking them off. Right. <laughs> just like great, you know, it's like great job, extra person. That's not really how that should go. I don't see. See, look, he's kicking. Get off. Get off the elevator, you douchebag. He's kicking their hands away. No, this, but like, you what, kick anybody. Why off are there? these doors no, closing? Yeah. Like, it's, I know radiation, whatever. Yeah. But like, it's just. So yeah. there's like a hole right in that big tube that seems important. You can yeah. close the door right across. And why are they grabbing a foot and a half of cable? Like that's for their little breathing their, their their breathing masks. Yeah. Yeah. Which you would think, gee, can't, should can't, come that on the built, suit. can't that just be built in? It's a yeah. little tube. You could just have it. Just pop it out of your armpit or something. These are quibbles. But, um, yeah, of course. Not, they go, these are quibbles compared to what Scotty's going to do next, which is like one of the dumbest things in any of the movies. Like, what? Which is coming up in a while. What are you referring to? The dumb thing that Scotty's going to do. The next time we see Scotty is like, What? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. but, um, and it's the and and it's interesting because the, the the original theatrical version didn't have that little moment. It didn't have the like, setup this is, showing this is my nephew, that, yada yada, boom. Is. So it was yeah. even weirder. But it's still fucking weird. He just brought this random engineering cadet up to the bridge. Well, the fact is, like, did you mispronounce sick bay in the <laughs> elevator? <laughs> it's like, what? Are we supposed to feel guilty? It's like <laughs> you take him to fucking sick bay. This is a military vessel, not like a high school reunion. It's a weird. It's just you know. It's a it's a dramatic moment for the sake of drama where they completely threw out any sense of what they had built up to that point, which I think it's an unfortunate thing. I get the drama it's part a mis- of it. Yeah, it's a it's a little, but it's a odd it's little misstep. Not it's not right. I was watching this last night, and it occurred to me when I was watching the opening sequence that I didn't recognize the theme. Do they do different scores for every movie or something? What? Yeah, they do. They don't. They don't so, necessarily always use the fanfare. That's it's, cool. It's, it's I like that built, idea. It's built into the score of this one. I mean, they, they, it has its own movie. You know, the, the, I just I liked I, I liked whatever I liked the melodies of what was going on in the beginning of this one. I liked this yeah. theme. And then the, the other observation, the other music observation I made is that this is a movie about slow ships with big music. Yeah. Shot well, a ship. It, it's very. It's going back to that nautical idea. It's a very much a submarine film in that regard. And the yeah. the, the battle at the Bum. end is a submarine battle. Yeah, totally. And the best totally. Star Trek episodes Bum. were were yeah. Also yeah. Balance of Terror is the same much, idea. Yeah. yeah. I th- you know we, we also, we're, we're past it now. But that the whole sequence of the building up to uh, Khan's sneak attack, I think, yeah. is some of the tightest editing. It's it in feels existence. really good. The editing all over this film is just it's amazing. Very tight. tight. It's very tight, and it's very. There's always a, it always maintains a sense of dread and like this. I mean, it's eighties tight, which means it feels slow now. But it's, right, right. It's, it's it's good. No, I, I maintain good. I maintain that it's pretty tight. It's it's um. Cool. Not only that, there's a moment we give Shatner a lot of shit in his performance, but I th- there's a, that moment where he says they want to discuss terms of your surrender, and he looks around his crew <laughs> and he says, "Put him on screen." Like he's just he knows he's like, beat, and he's just like, "Fuck, I I've got." There's there's a little palpable sense of terror that he he's trying to hide and i think that's a smaller moment that shatner does well now of course he's back to 1.0 shatner but 
Well, uh, on the commentary, Nicholas Meyer talks about how we managed to get a good performance, and this is this is still Shatner being Shatner, but this is, I think, unquestionably one of his you know best performances. And he Meyer tells his trick in, in the commentary, which is to literally just keep doing it over and over and over again until Shatner got bored and stopped trying to be Shatner, stopped trying to act. Right. And once he did it, and there's the moment he refers to specifically is is this one coming up in a moment where uh, he's you know they. Uh, they're going to send the the code over to, to lower his shields, and he tells Khan, "Here it comes." He, yeah. He he said he he references that specifically. You know, however many takes they did, Shatner kept trying to do something with it, like "Here, Here it, it comes,", comes. <laughs> yeah. and Meyer was like, "No, he's a Superman. He will see that what's coming. So you can't do it that way." Yeah. And he kept just did take after take after take until Shatner got bored and just like, "Fine, here it comes." <laughs> here it comes. There, that's it. I love that. Keep and we got orders. it. I, I I love this, and this is like th- th- this. You really kind of this scene is great for like oh shit, okay. Kirk actually is a kind of a military genius. Like you you this it, we, it gets indicated in the Kobayashi Maru uh, exercise earlier on. It's hinted at, but here we kind of see we see him doing it in real life now. It's him just not not playing by the rules, right. essentially. Right. I don't like. Is to this lose. the scene? Is this a scene they were specifically parodying in Galaxy Quest? Uh, a lot where, where of Tim Allen is trying to do this thing, and he's like, "We are still. You can. He can yeah. hear you." Well, I, yeah, I that, but this, this this scene it happens about ninety seven times in ninety seven Star Trek episodes. So it's just too. a Star Trek thing they were Ta- doing. Yeah, talking to the guy on the bridge and going, "Hey, hang so on we, got, we got to buy ourselves a minute." Did that more than once. Yeah, <laughs> it is the weird kind of thing. It's like leave the video on, but you know, turn the audio off, <laughs> and then we'll pull our clever little scheme. It's like, or you just turn the video off. Maybe we should not make such a feature of our talking to bad there, guys. There's the glasses process. coming out because he's yeah. yeah. And there's that great moment where he's like, down. he has to pull the glasses out, which is, you know, that's that's and the, what, fact, the fact. There's actually a moment I never saw before where Spock kind of points him to the right yeah part that, of the console. Uh, you look, the nine is over there. Yeah, that's the one. There. He hasn't. He's actually been behind. Is it case sensitive? I don't know. Behind a desk for five years, he doesn't know the yeah. new command system. <laughs> it's like my dad oh, behind my mom at the computer. It's right there, right there, right there. It's right there, right there, right there. It's right there at the top. Judgment, you simply have no. I know. I love that. It's like I never said I keep my yeah. word. Just like, what choice you have? Yeah, it's it's a it's a rule of making your villain just uber strong. <laughs> you give them a big win early up. You know, you yeah. give them a really big win early. It's on. like he yeah, just well, kicked the shit out of uh, you know Captain Kirk in a, in a fucking ship battle. Right. Well, that that doesn't happen very often. It's rarely why like I think Superman movies work because it's very hard. People have to like work hard to hurt Superman. You know, later on in the movie or later on in the story, it's rare that they get he gets hurt early on. The override password is five numbers. One, right? Six, three, know, one right. two, three, four, five. I can't. Raise That's, them. I can't. <laughs> Same as my luggage. Joaquin, uh, the guy that plays Joaquin, I forget his name, actually wanted his name taken off the credits because he was so dissatisfied with his own performance. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I think he, with, with, the, accept, right. with the exception of that, that moment, yeah. I think he does a perfectly he's, fine job. He's totally fine. Yeah. Which one's Joaquin? The guy on the right. This his like, oh, main lieutenant. He-Man. He he's the yeah. one in the episode of uh, you know bacon sleeves. He's the one who's um uh, in uh, <laughs> bacon sleeves. <laughs> he's the one who's. Can that in, be uh, my new diff nickname? <laughs> bacon sleeves. I'm Teague Bacon Sleeves Christie. <laughs> it's a safe word with my wife and I. No, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's um, bacon sleeves. <laughs> okay. Too much voltage. <laughs> um, it's a uh, but no, it's it's it, he he does totally fine in this. I think it, he's the one who's in the TNG episode later on with uh, him and Mary Patrick. Yeah, yeah, it's those yeah. two. Yeah, there, 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 there. Oh, yeah, I did and nothing. Here, here's Not a moment where hell. Kirk is really beating himself up, and legitimately, yeah, yeah. yeah. which He's, is also rare. 
I mean, when you're a leader, everyone, you know, you, lives are on the line. Lives are at stake. It's, I think there's a minor misstep there where, where, because the setup for that was Savick said, hey, when we're approaching another ship, we should have our shields up. And, and Spock is the one who smacks her down. Yeah. And it would have played better if Kirk had been the I one. Agree. Like, I agree. I, I got this. Thanks, I agree. but I got but this. But to be fair, like, they, they do a good job establishing uh, sort of Savick and Spock's relationship throughout this like oh young vulcan you silly you know like like he's always kind of like he's always leading her to figure out the logic in the situation sort of how to navigate being That's a true. vulcan and starfleet it's kind of weird it is i mean i see what they're going for there it's like it's like it's really more spock is saying look he's he's got an intuition about these things it's weird i've I know, been around it we have go with it we've, we've, we've gone this through shit this for before. years yeah. yeah we've played this episode out what Barbara are you doing bones yeah, nothing. Fucking exactly. nothing. Exactly. <laughs> it's like Bill Murray with that squirty thing. It's a dermal regenerator. It's, it's, he got. it's technical. It's one uh, of his little that toys. Was, that was my head hitting the mic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, Where's the, the salt shaker? On the Memory Alpha article for <laughs> He needs time. Uh, they, have, they have a whole bunch of great quotes from Meyer about like uh, the theme and analysis. And he talks about the, uh, the difference in, in mythology and in stories between a god and a hero. A god is a guy, you know, that is untouchable and never has any flaws and just does everything great. And that's not the point of a hero. And if you if your character is that is that way, then they're not a hero. And for the story to have some kind of emotional impact, your hero has to be flawed mm-hmm. and succeed in spite of those heroes. Which is why Superman never worked for me. Yeah, why why superhero why me. Superman is a very tough story to tell and yeah. to do right. Yeah. It's not impossible to do a Superman story well, but it's very very difficult because Superman is essentially a god and has no flaws. All the flaws have to be internal, it has to be doubt-based. It's just an <laughs> And then Kryptonite, <laughs> or yeah, or well, or, okay, or, as, or as some people don't like. Well, Watchmen took one approach to that concept, but I think the the Brand Singer Superman kind of dealt with that too. The kind of like, yeah, it's it's I'm a god, and all my friends are fucking mortal. That yeah, sucks. But, but, but here's the you thing: know, Singer Superman is actually about Lois Lane. That movie exactly. should be called Lois Lane, well, the guy the who lives things. Because it's that's the thing. It's like. <laughs> Superman, what the fuck can you talk about? Superman. It's like, wait, I have an idea. Who, who, was that? who posted that cartoon? There was a cartoon I saw. It, I don't know if it was anyone in this group, but it was the whole thing about the Justice League. And it's all oh, about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd that come from? Nope. It's, super strength. It's, like, yeah. it's like, it's all like, it's like, so, um, so Justice League. So we should have a plan for what happens if villain comes. Right. And, and, and Superman says, well, I figure I'll just, anything that's a problem, I'll throw it into the sun. Right. And it's like, <laughs> well, then I, I have a magic lariat that makes people tell this truth. Great. I'm thinking sun. Uh, <laughs> I use my gadget. Just to, yeah, yeah, that's right. That, that was uh, Doctor Shepherd on the farm. It's from Penny Arcade. That's yeah, it. it's, yeah, it's, it's a Penny Arcade yeah. one. So a, like, but what if there's kryptonite? Well, then I'll ask one of you to move it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> there's a wonderful uh, Mitchell and Webb look uh, 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 bit that they keep doing, where it's like God and a BMX biker as a like a daredevil team, <laughs> where they're like solving crimes. So it's like God and the guy who can do tricks on his bike go to solve crimes. And it's like I think I'm going to handle this one. You go. Can you? Uh, you know what we need to do. This time to get in, we need you to jump over this and open the door. Can you do that? Yeah, my turn. <laughs> Opened, and then God goes in and just gods the thing. <laughs> God and guy. See, I swear some of these consoles date back to Lost in Space. I swear to God, I've uh, seen yeah. these in Lost no in Space. Kidding. Well, I know I've seen those blinky light things in Airplane too, at the very least. Yeah. Well, to, yeah. ca- to kind of tie that conversation back, like Khan is essentially an Ubermensch. He's like he's he is the man. He's genetically superior in every way, superior intelligence. What what c- kills him is his hubris. It, it, that's what gets him. That allows 
Kirk to find a way in. You know, and, he's, and hey, look at that. It's the same quality that Kirk has. Exactly. Look at that. Yeah, well, that. I, I always see it. I, but Kirk overcomes thing. it and grows past it. I, I never but thing, I never saw Kirk as like the Ubermensch. I always see it as like Khan is the lion and, and, and Kirk is the hyena. Like he's got to fight for his scrap. You know, it's like he's got to he's, he's got to he, he, he's, he's smarter and he he's, he's, he's not smarter. He's more clever and he's he's. He's more crafty, I guess, and I, that's not that's not a skill that comes with genetic engineering, which is what created Spock. Uh, I think it's Khan, just you mean. Er, yeah, created Khan. I think uh, I think that's I think that's sort of what the, you know. You see the chessboard when they first enter into into Khan's home, and that's obviously this is the easiest parallel to make of, of the chess game. But it's I think he's just a better player of the game. He sees it as a game, whereas. Khan is just fueled by hate and vengeance. And well, that goes all the way back to the uh, to the <laughs> second pilot of, of uh, Star Trek, <laughs> where uh, Kirk the the very first scene, the introduction of him and Spock is Kirk beating Spock at chess. Yeah, exactly. Because he does shit that he's not supposed to do. Yeah, there's, there's a funny little moment. He makes there an illogical move that I'd forgotten about. Where Savick goes, you know, this like, sir, we have a regulation that the you know flag officer can't beam into a hazardous area. <laughs> Kirk goes. There's no such regulation. It's like clearly there isn't because that's the modus operandi around here. Is let's see, it's a hazardous and potentially dangerous situation. Who should go? Um, pretty much the entire bridge staff, right? Right. Should go well, check that three. out. That's the thing. That's one of the. I mean, there are a lot of moments in here that don't play right because no. Kirk is or because Shatner is a terrible actor and he just doesn't play moments the way they should be played. Right. I, I frankly, I think that's one of those. I never understood that moment as a kid. I think what Shatner or what Kirk should be doing is like, no, there's totally no such regulation. All right, fine. There's that regulation. Come on, but he's like just one of the ones he's always ignored, and it's like and Savick is saying in that moment, "Hey, you you ignored the regulation last time. How about you not fuck this one up too, huh?" Yeah. Look at Kirk's collar compared to everybody that's else. A yeah. that's, fu- that's that's like dude. fuck you. No, I've he got. looks like a prep. He looks like he's the kind Number of guy at the only. party with his red keg cup who goes around putting acid in the girls' cup. No, he looks he looks like he just stepped out of a scene of the Chocolate War. Like he's just fucking like <laughs> he's just <laughs> fucking high collar yeah, douche. Savick's got it down, but Kirk's yeah. good. I love that coat, by the way. But that's a good um, coat. This Very is useful. a this. I mean, the, the sort of upcoming reveal here with <laughs> that's uh, a great reveal with the doors he, opening. He's on like him. he's like Rutger Howard and Blade Runner there. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up, time to Kirk. Um, <laughs> There's a rat. On space, space rats. Stage. Space rats. Why did it have yeah, to be? Yeah, yeah, he, he never would have gotten past the space rats. Yeah. He's scared to death of them. <laughs> It's space rats. You hate harmonics. Like See, I want. I wanted to major in harmonics in college. I'm going to walk. Movie 101. I'm going to walk into the dark room backwards. Why? Yep. So I can be scared by the dead this guy. guy. Oh, oh the my God, Jesus Christ. Ah. <laughs> Do you think the guy who hung him that way spent extra time? Like <laughs> yeah. someone's going to walk into this okay. arm and it's going to be it? awesome. I'm going to rig the door so it opens slow. I. What would have been better is if he turns around and just starts blasting. Ah, fuck! And then they're like watching it on hidden camera. Like, oh my God, dude, that went perfectly. He went right. Backwards into it. I couldn't thank, believe. Thank you for attending Halloween Horror Nights. There's here no the way that should have worked. Space with uh, with genetic Superman, I guarantee. If no... I were genetic Superman, I would absolutely live <laughs> yeah. my life that way. It's like this is this is too easy. We got to make it hard. Okay, I tell you what. Here's what we're gonna do. We have. I just. I'm still on the arm thing. It's like we had no chance. He was gonna walk in backwards. That was perfect. <laughs> oh my god. He was just supposed to walk in and see the guy. But this is even better. He <laughs> hit it with his face. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> He actually rubbed his face on the hand. I love that giant piece of machinery has three buttons. Yeah. <laughs> just hey, watch. I, I love the fact that he punches the glass and and startles Savick. She's like, "Oh yeah. shit!" Oh, yeah. and again, an- right. another small moment of like, I was not expecting him to do that. Yeah, it's and it's crazy it's, it's, to open open up the checkoff caddy. <laughs> yeah, 
but, it's just like a little pet carrier for him. That's, that's, a, that's another great principle that's exemplified in this movie in the sense that, you know, you have your thematic idea that your whole movie is based around, and then as much as is humanly possible, down to the details of the story and the, the singular moments of actions that your characters take and how they react to them, all relates back to that theme somehow. So, you know, the details down to the books on Khan's shelf relate directly back to the theme of, of, of the film. And just these, all these small little behaviors in these random moments all also directly relate back to the theme, like punching the glass and just be like, wow, who, the, who, does, who reacts that way in that kind of situation? Well, Kirk does. And again, Savick being surprised or, you know, not, not prepared, not adjusted for somebody to behave that way. I'm still on Sean Connery on the Enterprise. (laughs) Almost happened. What? When did that happen? Well, Sean Connery was supposed to play uh, Spock's half-brother in Star Trek V. But he turned it down. Good, good, good. I mean, that's because Sean Connery is a smart man. No, he's not. He's 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 missed out on some really amazing roles. He's turned down. There's like a laundry list of <laughs> fucking awesome movies he could have conneried all over, and he yeah. didn't. And he turned it down. And that's why he took League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because yeah. he's like, fuck, I've missed out on everything. Fine, I'll take it. Yeah. And it turns out he chose wrong. All and right, that's, and that but drove Star Trek him, Five was the right choice. That drove him into <laughs> retirement. Even this, even this, even the stop clock is right twice a day. So, wow, look at this fucking wall. Trey, you should have had that in your dorm. I know. We all wanted it. That would have been great. I, 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 I what is say, that? Is that just like a I was, sort of plastic and there's lights behind it shining was, on it? Yeah. I was living off campus by then, but uh, yeah. Oh, then you totally Oh, you don't get that kind yeah, of housing totally. off campus. No way. Not without a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Give a man a hammer, he can make a glowing wall. That's right. That's basically the name of my new self-help book. <laughs> Give a man a hammer, he can make a glowing wall. Or a 70s folk song, like... <laughs> Give I had a, man a hammer and he'll. I could build it's a like, I could, Yeah, that could be a really good blood, sweat, and tears song, actually. <laughs> I was thinking more like down tempo, groovy, Jim Crochet sort of. Oh, you know. yeah. I'm still feeling the blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> Jim Crochet. Ah, oh, that's cute. Jim, <laughs> Jim Crochet. Yeah, I know. Yes, it's <laughs> Jim Crochet. Jim Crochet. <laughs> that was, that was, a, that was a, you know, a weird thing. That was the big shock for me. It was like when he died in a plane crash. I was like, what? Yeah. Someone I like and admire can die in a blank. Wait a minute. I like the world is one. not what I thought it was. Wait, they're just, human beings as well? Just yeah. the one shot of, that, of that, uh, Khan listening is good. Yeah. Poor guy behind him is, is moths have just eaten his shirt alive. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, the thing about uh, Khan's people is like, yeah, Khan's is like, I recognize that you're, you know, your people are genetically superior and everything, and you have been on the planet for 15 years. and But you've been on this starship for a while now. You couldn't, you know... A little brush up, a little face, you know, clean <laughs> right. a little of the dirt off, you know. Hey, Bill, go over there. Just read the manual for a few days, <laughs> uh, just in case we have questions. I have to replace a headlight or something, you know, just someone should know. Yeah. Just but, in case, but, I don't know, know, like shield frequencies. Seriously, come take something. five minutes for yourself. There's a bathroom right there. Just, you know, just little, just a little, you know, a little flossing. And, you know, it's been 15 years. We got to Brian, do you know what? bathrooms again. Do you know what Red Xavier's talking about in the chat room? He says, the sound effect coming up with the random die getting killed really freaks me out. Oh, it's it's, it's gnarly. It's not uh, Paul Winfield. It's, it's oh, a Paul gnarly. Paul Winfield's dying? Wait, it's his, a gnarly sound, yeah. yeah. Oh, and they, it's, they it's they gross. Rimmed out, yeah. That, like, really, like, disturbed me. himself. That dist- yeah, that disturbed me as a kid, is that just the whole, it's a gross death. I would say it's the grossest death we've seen. Oh, when he screams. Yeah. When, he's getting, when, he, when he shoots himself. Yeah. It's easily the grossest death we've seen in the, I mean, the thing with Star Trek is, is that even though it was, there were dangerous situations, it always felt sort of, I don't know, not antiseptic, but yeah, it's sort of like, just sort of, there, there was no blood. You know, there's no the, like. The first one tried to have a moment with the transporter accident, but yeah. they didn't really go yeah. full bore with it. They actually tried that in Enterprise and uh, with the guy being transported uh, yeah. during a strong breeze the, and the leaves. leaves. 
that was that was, pretty, that was gross but it was it's true like that's then they decided to put a force shield around the person when they transport oh god I'm being the, the sound effect that actually <laughs> good thinking uh, aside from the fact that it's funny and it's a joke the con thing i don't understand the sound mixing at all on that line which one what do you mean con oh, con the, the or it's like a super super wet reverby thing and it's it's loud and it sounds like it was recorded at a different time and it's just it's a, it sounds out of place and then Shatner's face makes a weird shape yeah when he this says is it. just this is awful 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 fighting yeah entirely uh, likely that uh, entirely likely uh, that line was ADR'd ah uh, so. karate Ha-hoy! I'm sure it is it's just so it's so wet and echoey by the way he hasn't disarmed him he's still on the inside of the <laughs> knife yeah. arm it, it <laughs> <laughs> he's breaking the rules man he's Kirk he wouldn't. He wouldn't dare stab me. I have my fist up like this. Right. There's a if you ever, donkey kick him. If you ever pick up the TJ Hooker seasons one and two on DVD, there's a quote fight scene that is essentially a wrestling match between uh, uh, Shatner and Adrian's Med, and it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> it's uh, if there's anyone who kicks ass harder than Shatner, it's Adrian's Med. For, firstly, Shatner's in sweats, a shirt, and obviously girdle, uh, and Adrian's Med is in the tiniest shorts possible, a tank top, and a headband. Hello. And, uh, yeah. And uh, they're doing essentially pro wrestling moves, and it's it's amazing. So here you go. Here's God damn you, Khan. One step ahead again. And as often happens in the little verbal Oof. Uh, in the little verbal uh, scene they'll have coming up here, as, as always happens, if you're not actually on set with a person, but you're having dialogue with them on, like a, on a phone or something, the script supervisor will read read that dialogue for you, so you have somebody to read off of it. But the script supervisor, most often, is not an actor in any way, shape, or form. And so Montalban has actually talked about how hard it was to do this very intense scene reading off of a little, <laughs> little petite uh, female uh, <laughs> script supervisor. They're just kind of deadpan-like. <laughs> Kanye bloodsucker. No, this is the first. I have to come uh, down here, sir. Connie. It is difficult. I, I may be wrong, but is this the first time I have to come down here? Is this the first time the phasers have a pistol grip? I'm, I'm not sure. If no, it no, is. they've always had. Them. They, okay. No, they have them in, there's, there's in the two, original series. They do. There's two it's forms not of the phaser in the original series. There's, there's the, the tiny. one. There's the little shaver phaser, but yeah. that snaps into the pistol grip and right. power, gives I it more see. power. I see. It's not until the uh, that is a shaver. That is clearly a razor. That they look like dustbusters. Oh creatures in our bodies and also the amazingly large wrist communicator things that never come Can I make an out? observation right. real quick look at the door the triangle and the circle upside down that mm-hmm. looks an awful lot like the shelf I men- mentioned of the Ikea shelf earlier in Bones' apartment right <laughs> really it looks what the hell man that is a, I, just a bad cast is there and do they ever really establish ahead. why the one inside of uh, the, the pilot inside of Chekhov decides to just abandon ship like, well, he's the main character. Well, yeah, that's get, why he can't die. But there's no, there's no explained virtue. Or yeah, it's a little. It's, it's, there's yeah. two magic beans in this movie, and the second one is these things that live on. Maybe the, they will go in your ear, died. and they'll control your brain, and then they'll come out again when it's convenient for that right. to happen. It's it's a uh, oh I love. <laughs> there we go. Full Shatner. One point one Shatner right here. <laughs> I love it. I and but and, and, like, and, and I buy it. I'm, re- I'm a board reaction. On this one. Turn yeah. it loose, Bill. Montalban can't believe it. Give me all of it. You're still alive, alive, my old, old friend. friend. Still old friend. <laughs> yeah. He so kind of amazing. He, I really wish he could read the way it's spelled. Like you the quotes around. Just about everyone else. Yeah. Oh, you keep keep missing. missing the target. <laughs> that always was the best thing. Shatner, the best. Uh, Kirk is. Someone equated once uh, Kirk to Bugs Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> he, get, he gets more belligerent the worse right. trouble he's in. <laughs> right, right. His only defense is just to, like, fuck you. Hey, you know what? Fuck right. you. Fuck you. Fuck your mother. Fuck everyone who looks like you. You didn't get me. How about that? Okay. I, I still yeah. Just, 
I love the idea that this is that this is the tale of Moby Dick, but Kirk is, Kirk is the, the white whale. whale. The That's whale. amazing to me. That's appropriate on so many levels. I'm go- I would be embarrassed to tell you how old it was before I realized that that parallel. Mm-hmm. He tasks me. He tasks. <laughs> he actually says that. <laughs> Come on, actually says that Kirk tasks him. He tasks me. I've heard you. I, that actually, that like introduced a whole new level of morality to me when I was like five years old. I'm like, oh shit, maybe killing someone isn't the worst thing <laughs> yeah, that can yeah. happen. Ooh. There's like all these, I don't know. I, for, well, it's like this, if I really put my mind to it, I can think of really terrible ways to hurt you. It's yeah, like, it's, yeah it's no, that totally. Idea. And that's ter- That's more terrifying and than And that death. is what to the pain means. Clearly, this is not the first movie nor any piece of media to discuss these ideas, but I've talked it before about how certain movies intersect you at the exact right time. Here it comes. Here, here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, Bill, do it. Yeah. <laughs> and the heavens So much shook. rage it, yeah. echoed through the vacuum of space. The exactly. pillars, the pillars of heaven were shattered. And he apparently came from that. I, like, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know why. I never understood why they cut to that. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah. I think it was well, exactly think, for that reason. That awesome. Awesome. Oh, that was tasty. Uh, <laughs> that was good. But no, this movie, I think if this is a movie that intersects you at that exact right moment, as it did, I where like the world becomes a slightly darker place after you see it. Uh, you know, I talk about I talk about uh, Drew McWeenie over at uh, Hip Fix showing his kids uh, Star Wars. Star Wars. By the way, Drew McWeenie is the shit. He's yeah. my favorite movie reviewer. Hitfix.com slash authors yeah. slash Drew hyphen McWeenie. With real names. Sadly, real name. He'll, he'll M-C-W-E-E-N-Y. Uh, I usually agree with his reviews and stuff. He's he my, he's he talks about after showing the entire uh, you know, all six movies to his sons. That his you know his six year old he he realized I feel like I've done something good but I realize at the end of this movie after uh, the end of these movies I've made their world slightly darker now like their world because his has, kids started asking questions like Daddy are you going to betray me and kill me There was a moment where like when uh, when Luke looks into uh, Vader's face like for the first time his uh, his four or three year old like looked up to him and touched his face and he said I fucking lost it like Jeez. it's oh, yeah sad. it's just like the and and this for that for me this was that movie that made me go wow because not only that it, i had a really hard time understanding why kirk didn't want to be around with his son i had a really hard time wrapping my head around and like it bothered me <laughs> and then you had a kid <laughs> i know like, hey i'll take some time off to avoid diapers and all that shit meet me again when you're a full-grown man and we'll have yeah. a beer and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll punch each other it'll be fun no, but like I, but like I was like, why does he want to be around his son? Like, why doesn't like I didn't understand that. I remember, I remember asking my parents that and had them having to explain why that happens. I'm like, but Kirk is a good guy, or so I thought. And like, Kirk is a good guy. Why does he? You know, he obviously cares for her. He obviously like why? Why? And then I realized it was her choice to not have him there. And I'm like, what? That none of this makes sense. Like, now the world opens up a bit through movies like. This. I have a question about this scene for you guys. I don't understand why. I don't understand Kirk's motivations over the course of the whole scene. Because in the beginning, he's being all kind of, oh, con, con, con. And then he's like, yeah, apple. I like apples. You guys hungry? Food. And then he waits for everyone to leave to reconcile with the fact that, by the way, I have a son now. That's crazy. But it's like an emotional thing for him here. But he hasn't been, he doesn't, it doesn't look like he was carrying the I have a son revelation waiting to talk about it the entire scene. What's going on there? No, well, they just needed the the moment? The, the moment for things to quiet down for yeah. the, get everybody the, out of the room. The thing that Why isn't he in school? The thing that doesn't actually Why make sense so, from a as he says so limp wristed. <laughs> the, the thing that doesn't make sense from a fridge log, logic standpoint is he's already set up the the ruse for Spock to come back in a couple hours. So there's really no reason for him yeah. to get as pissed off at Khan and have the epic vacuum defying shout that he does because he knows 
he's he's already in on the gag that's you know Spock is going to get back. Well, to him. I, they're, they're going to. I would yes, get him. no. I think I think I think he has to for the sake of the ruse. Make Khan think that he's that desperate. What's mean is he doesn't tell everybody else. No, yeah, we're marooned here for life. Yeah, so you know, deal with it. <laughs> oh no, we're not. I was just funning with you about how your life was over. I, you know, there's no reason not to tell them now that right. everything's going to be cool. To, to let anybody it's, think for even half an hour that their life is effectively over yeah. is. A dick thing. I just it's it, pretty dick. worse than death. It is, yeah. Really, there are things worse than death. I think it's. I think it's. It's unfortunate. It, it felt just. A weird, I, I think it would have been nice. Mary Buttrick, you know, rest his soul. Uh, I think a different Kirk's son casting or performance-wise would have been better. Um, yeah, maybe someone without curly blonde hair. Yeah, someone is like you know that you can kind of go, wow, yeah. that really is young that's Kirk. Your, that's you young know, Kirk, young yeah. and dumb per, and full of personality yeah. wise. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you had Chris Pine in this, yeah, exactly. Movie, Chris Pine, Pine existed. Be here, yeah, if Chris Pine at like was seventeen years old and was in this. You know, that would have been that would have been the right thing. He's got, yeah, that he's guy got, doesn't. That guy has nothing in common with Kirk. Yeah, what, he's, he's can't, can't, no, he's no, got, this kid. Uh, he can't lot, possibly be Kirk's son. Obviously, mom was this, yeah, the he, more he, dominant. He, he's, Kirk's he son is like kid. Luke Skywalker. Yeah, he's just this little blonde, wafy Nancy but boy. He's like very bitter and like too cynical for his age, and like he's just—I don't know—he just, he doesn't. And he really just doesn't have that sort of magic. That could be Kirk's son. Yeah, he doesn't have that strength. He man could be hurt Kirk's son. No, no, he man is. I, I, I and that's why I always thought yeah. he was his. He's son. still too pretty like, boy. Yeah. I think, you know, Kirk's son should be like a little bulldog guy. He know, should like, be like a little punk. He should be yeah. like the dude who, as you're kicking his ass, is still talking shit to you. Like, <laughs> exactly. The then, scene- then, then you would know that that's Shatner's kid. Right. The <laughs> scene- then you would know. Say what you want about the Abrams one, but the scene in the bar with, with Kirk getting in the bar fight the way he does, and then his attitude later when he's talking to um, um, uh, what's that, it, uh, to Captain Gr- Pike. Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, to Captain Pike. Like, it's like, that's Kirk. Say what <laughs> yeah. you want. That's Kirk. Yeah. It, like, very, very much so. He's got... He's got- Kleenex rammed up his nose to stop the blood. Like, what do you want? What do you want from me, man? What are you looking at? You want to go, motherfucker? (laughs) Yep, you're your father's son, all right. This is the most beautiful matte painting I've seen since Monty Python and the Holy Grail. (laughs) This is is the best matte painting I've seen (laughs) since those paintings that they have in the mall that light up from the back. Oh, yeah. I do like... And then there's the ones that are like supposed to be 3D, but I don't get those. I love Carol's line. They cross your eyes. I love Carol's line where it's like, can I cook or can't I? (laughs) That was always a popular line. Well, you get get the sense of how feisty she was as a younger... I see why. Yeah, yeah, I I can see why he's into her. Why he bagged her, yeah. Well, it, it, it was very, you know, again, another very intentional thing for... You know, Carol Marcus is supposed to be the girl that could keep up with Kirk, and so that's the moment you see that most clearly. Where you're like, oh, this when they were both twenty five, that must have been some amazing they just, sex. They fucked like crazy, yeah, <laughs> harder than Bobby Banks and what's her name from the yeah. Rose Parade. You could hear it. You could hear it from space, <laughs> or Bobby Carol! Banks and basically anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby no, Banks in the door, no, Bobby what, Banks in name? the oven, Bobby Bo- Banks in the garage. If, if you ever watch the Rose Parade broadcast, you know Bobby Banks and What's-Her-Name host it, and they hate each other on screen. My theory is that immediately after the broadcast, they hate fuck like crazy <laughs> for 10 hours straight, and then don't speak for the rest of the year. <laughs> and by the way, J.J. Abrams did a nice homage and connected the dots to, to this by actually showing us the, 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 the thing that he's talking about here. about. Oh, yeah, I totally rigged the Kobayashi Maru. Which is great. I, he underplays it. I like that Shatner underplays it here. I don't, I don't mind the, the way that Kobayashi Maru is depicted. I'm going to bust out probably the most amount of nerd I will bust out yeah. in this commentary. There's a, there's a book, for those of you interested, uh, called the Kobayashi Maru, in which it basically goes back and shows how each of most of the main characters dealt with the Kobayashi Maru oh, test. That's kind of fun. Yeah, it's very like interesting. Rashomon Maru. Yeah, it's like, here, here's how Scotty did uh, Kobayashi Maru. Here's Fail. How, you know. Well, it's, it's interesting because, anyway. 
Anyway, yeah, now Scotty's a, po- hang on, hang on. Oh. Scotty's point is not part, of it. but the way they what they depicted for what Kirk did, I actually do like better than what Abrams did. In in the book, he reprograms it so the Klingons are as terrified of Kirk and respect him as much. At that point, that's more clever as they do, you know, later on in the series. So, like, holy shit, it's Kirk. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. buddy, we do not want to fuck with you because we know you're Kirk. <laughs> yeah. that, if yeah. we had known, if we had known, we're sorry. Yeah, we're plus, really that's sorry. a better character thing because that's more bravado. That's more, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm and gonna be the terror of the like, galaxy. I, can't, but I, don't also, have, I don't have to beat them. I just have to make them think I could beat them. That's, but also, that's what I need to do within the realm of reality, in the sense that, like, what if you are a captain for twenty some odd years and you do build up a reputation and like that? That actually logically kind of sort of could happen. Not necessarily with Klingons, but you know. Now I have a quibble, and uh, the, the person I was watching this with last night brought this up. Okay, now. It's hammered home that, for the purposes of the storytelling, Kirk does not believe in a no-lose scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a no-win uh, no no scenario. scenario. But then he says, I don't like losing. Which means there is a losing scenario. Which means what? Which also means that he's probably lost. It's possible it's to lose to and, not, and, and still believe that there's a way to have won. But it doesn't mean he's never lost. But he doesn't believe in a no-win scenario. He doesn't believe in a no-win scenario. That he doesn't, mean he doesn't, he he doesn't believe that there's a scenario you can't win somehow. Uh, yeah, okay. doesn't mean right. you never lose. Yeah, no, he's he's lost. He lost in the regular series. He loses here. He... I had I had a, a lengthy. What are you wearing? I had a lengthy argument when this movie came out because, of course, this is, this movie was the first indication, you know, the first time no. the Kobayashi Maru, which has since gone on to become such a big thing. Um, but uh, you know, this movie introduced the concept of the Kobayashi Maru. I had such a lengthy argument with a friend of mine at the time because my friend insisted that Kobayashi Maru meant it was Klingon and I was like it's Japanese that's what ships are called the blank Maru is Japanese it's like if you look at the if you look at the issue on the on the thing it's like the captain's name is is even Japanese or the Kobayashi. Maru is Japanese for ship that's what they call all their ships the blank Maru or, or Maru if you want to pronounce Maru. it correctly Maru. but um there we go. It's like it's like great naval. Like, again, even before even before the existence, you know, the internet. We even had an internet at the time, and I'm like, no, just look it up. This information is freely available <laughs> to everyone. There's a whole ocean full of ships called Maru. But, <laughs> but just knowing because something, they're Japanese. But just knowing something is so much easier than learning something. Then, then, then Although I will say, looking that, it up. That was a. When I discovered that information at some point, I'm like, oh wait, there are actual real ships called the Blank Maru. That's awesome. <laughs> Here's another Moby Dick moment. There she is. Yeah, the great head tilt. So much the better. Mm. Yep, it's it's gonna get all Shatnery and Montalbani. Like I said, once they once they get back in the ships from the Genesis cave, it's just it's nonstop until (laughs) we reach the finish, and that's how it should be. Talk about breaking into third. Like that's that this is the definitive exactly absolutely. I believe this is the third act, and doing a lot with little. What do they have? They have these toys. shots, and then yeah, we have some toys and, then and we a have, painter. We have people talking on a ship like that, and two sides, and some things occasionally sparking like that's, and some wires falling down, and like that's. But it, they do so much with so little talk. I mean, squeezing every last cent out of the budget for this whole sequence. A lightning storm in space. Mm. What happened to his boob? Uh, there was lots of explosions. Lots of explosions, and he, and he cut his manly chest. Mm. And now it's going to leak out the pure con fluid. Oh, that was a near miss. <laughs> but I like that. It just like just like in a submarine, if it's a like, torpedo passes you in a submarine, it rumbles. You feel it. It's a displacement of water. Yeah. Really wouldn't happen in space, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's not. It's nice to kind of it's, it's, it's a displacement of subspace. Yes, the, yes, the, it's it. radiation waves that shocked him. Yeah. 
No, no, it's, it has a subspace field, and it's, you know what? I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> it's its own gravitational pull. This is the hole you're digging, and this right. is you. This is you. <laughs> no, no, no. Dig well, up, stupid. This is why I didn't like him, because he wore his fucking yeah, sweater like, over his shoulders. Very, very, very like a total sweater. asshole. Are you sure that's my son? Now yeah. I want a blood test. But like, earlier, Kirk was, wearing, Kirk was wearing a preppy flipped collar thing. No, that's badass. That's like I'm okay. a flipped collar <laughs> motherfucker. Like, that, like, like, it's an antiquated badass, he, but it's still always badass. He was doing it while walking through a haunted house. Sweater, over, sweater tied over your shoulders. That makes him the guy from Scooby-Doo. Never been cool. And you know what? It was old man Montalban all along. <laughs> there's, there's an episode of Work Two, if not for you meddling kids. There's an episode of TJ Hooker where the killer is wearing a sweater tied over his shoulders. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's how you know he's a That's douche. How you know he's an asshole. <laughs> oh, and and here. I'm laughing at the superior. It's such yeah. shit talk. Yeah, this. Now, now when your Kirk starts talking smack, that's like okay. All right, now now you're now it's your ass. And, I mean, the, there's a great parallel that we should just you know spell out in the sense that you know Savick serves the one role of like, hey, this is the this is what we should be doing. This is the proper way of doing it. Yeah. And Kirk at first says, no, fuck that. And then comes to learn from his mistake. Yeah. Joaquin serves essentially the same purpose for but Khan. He's like, no, this is what we should be doing. And Khan ignores it him, ignores to his, it. to his peril. And yeah. And fails as a result. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, the, the, the thing that I always liked about Kirk, the thing you always like about Kirk is, you know, he's a douchebag, but he's doing it because it rattles the other guy and makes him make bad <laughs> yeah. choices. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's the Rocky Three. It's yeah. when he's fighting it's, Mr. T. And is it like, that, ends uh, justifies the means got. kind of a thing? It's like they're both assholes, but Kirk's ultimate ends are for peace and to save Khan's, lives. To save yeah. lives but, and Khan's ultimate objective is for revenge. It's so like, it's like you know, what I what just what, what what always struck me as really fun is that you know Kirk, part of Kirk's Kirk's military strategy is douchebaggery. Yeah, yeah, is like is like to be in your face. Like yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Your mother so sucks in well, hell. It's, it's, I mean, the yeah. other movie I saw right around this time was Rocky Three, and that's the exact same thing. Rocky can't. Rocky essentially does a rope it up. He can't beat uh, Mr. T in a straight on fight. He uh, he can't he can't he can't be stronger. What he can do is take his punches and laugh in his face yeah. and make him to fuck up. And that's more or less what yeah, happens. I just, here. I just gotta stay standing until he gives yeah. me that one opening. Yeah. I just need to land one shot. Like, I just need one shot to land. Because the Enterprise is a much better ship than the Reliant. But the problem is that the Reliant cripples the Enterprise so thoroughly early on. Trey just... I'm sorry, this is a brief one, but I, I got to do this now because it's in my head and I can't get it out. <laughs> Trey just mentioned uh, the line from Exorcist, your mother sucks cocks in hell. Yeah. And now it occurs to me, who's getting their cock sucked in hell? I want that job. Saints, Lucifer, a gay dude by the, who goes to hell uh, and gets a blowjob. There's the, there's, well, the answer to that is the classic, the classic Louis C.K. routine about going to hell and like you know, I was like, what? Uh, that, he's just here. You don't yeah, have, the, you don't the have to suck his dick. I figure I go to hell. There's a demon. Suck my cock. Okay, and then somebody goes, that guy doesn't even work here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could have said no. Yeah. yeah. Listen, you're going to be here for a long time. You better pace yourself. Don't be freelancing <laughs> in the hallway. we got all kinds of shit planned for you. That guy isn't even part of it. <laughs> oh, man. Whose cock is getting sucked in hell? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I no, want to go to no hell. No one who wants it to happen. What if, what if you're getting your cock, your, sock, your cock sucked, but you can't feel it? That would be kind of bad. What if you're getting your cock sucked by a guy and you're an immense homophobe? There you I, go. I would imagine right. that was probably the idea. But the woman is doing it. Apparatus. But then after a period of time, you're just going to be you're gonna give in. Uh, anyway. <laughs> wow. Star Trek 2. That, that, that conversation took a weird detour. <laughs> Down in front. <laughs> Down in front. <laughs> Shiny objects. Insightful story analysis and, and discussion about and cock. Let, and let's ride bikes. <laughs> if you didn't think we were going to talk about blowjobs, our name is Down in Front. Thank you very much. It's right in the name. 
That I really liked. I don't know the, the details of the effect, but when the when it's ripping into the side of the Enterprise with the phasers like that, like that that feels real. Like too many times, especially <laughs> too many times, like the right these too many times these ships get hit. Oh, it hits the shield, drain shield sixty percent. Well, I can't. I don't under, I can't visualize that. I can't understand that. I can understand just you know a the smoking crater. Of, yeah, and yeah. again, the reason they they would do that is because of course you can't be especially on a TV show. You can't be damaging the model every week. I mean, you know, that's that's how do we do that? It was even an issue with this. It's like, how do we do this? We can't be cutting and ripping holes in the models. So they, you know, they had to, they were doing, they did a lot of stuff where they, t- they put like little, from what I understand, little uh, aluminum, you know, build outs and then just sort of peeled and rippled those. Yeah. So right. they're not actually, you know, cutting into the surface of the well, model. Well, that, that was specifically an issue in, at the beginning of Generations where you have the Enterprise B and it gets ripped apart and it has the little extra ridges on right. the, on the bottom that, that kind of sh- the Excelsior never has before. Right. It's specifically, they built that on there so they could then rip <laughs> so they it off. destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's without a, without damaging the the original studio it, model. It, it's one thing I uh, appreciate about the Battlestar Galactica remake is that you know a few episodes in, like yeah, we keep losing Vipers, we can't make any more. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's just take all the scraps we have and try to make one Viper, and they do, and it's cool. And then a few episodes later, that gets blown up. You're like, fuck, yeah. like, what are we gonna do? And then a couple episodes after that, oh look, the other Battlestar that can make Vipers for us. Whew. The good thing that's around forever. Oh wait, yeah. you know like. That's one of those things. That's that's how a sh- that's how a show grows and learns. It's kind of like okay, so we're going to be very true to the idea that you know they only have X many vipers. Well, then we can't blow up vipers every episode, which means we need to figure out how to get more vipers. Because <laughs> otherwise, what the hell are we going to do with every episode? And what it the hell is this like show a, about? Sounded like a good idea, but you know, actually, in practice, it's an issue. So that's we're going to do a completely realistic sci-fi show. That means no explosions in space. Or sound. I, I think Serenity would have gone about another half season before they started putting sound in space. Go, yeah, we need to put some sound in space. Like, Firefly, I, probably I, not Serenity. I like the way battle, the new Battlestar dealt with it. I mean, they they kind of kept the impression of no sound in space, but the impression of what was actually happening. It was for me. It felt like a nice artistic mid ground uh, between the compromise between said the it, two. As we've said at some point, uh, I, I said it surely in some commentary, even though I wasn't part of the other Star Trek commentary. Maybe it was the the other this series Star Trek commentary but the idea of transporter is an idea that sounds good and is a good cost saving measure and then became a huge problem for Star <laughs> Trek because that it's to the much the point where it became a cliche even if you didn't know Star Trek you know that a feature of a Star Trek episode is what the fuck is wrong with the transporter now or the holodeck yeah, yeah. well the other, the other well the holodeck was later but the transporter in the original series the issue is well look we do that because we don't want to have to land a fucking shuttlecraft we want to keep the story going we want to just, just hop we stand here we do a visual effect they're there we, we move and then it's like, so wait, so they've got an instant get out of jail free card device? Uh, oh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> well, then every episode we have to come up with yet another reason why it's not working right now. So it's like that, that became a thing. It's like, oh, we can beam you into trouble. And then for some goddamn reason, we can <laughs> never seem to beam you back out of it again when you would like us to. So it became a whole thing. that The transporter was a blessing and a curse because it was like, well, it's great that we can just, you know, boom, jumpstart the story. There you are. But it's like, but then we have to, oh, god damn it, we have to come up with some bullshit reason why it's not working. Which uh, is a great point to uh, to Star Trek Four. actually. It's not tech- specifically transporter related, but the the reason they couldn't leave, the reason they couldn't just jump out of trouble when they when they had the technology to is for a very human issue. They, one of their guys, they had to rescue one of their guys first. Like, it was a, yeah, it was, was a human, like, that was no, we, ha- we have the technology to beam him out if we want to, but yeah. we, we 
we, we can have totally to rescue, rescue you, yeah. but we don't want you to. That's the issue. Now, one thing I always love about this movie is that the antagonist and the protagonist are never in the same room together. <laughs> yeah. Can I just jump real quick? There's one of my one of the things I hate more than anything else. It's a cliche. It's a trope. Who reaches up like that when you're climbing? <laughs> With a shaky hand? It's, it's a very slow, it's, it's, shaky hand? It's, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm desperately trying to pull myself to my feet. I'm going to wave my hand in midair right. for several seconds as part of that process. <laughs> Who fucking does that? Nobody. But, uh, if, if 80% of your body has just been burned by plasma... I, you know, I'll so give you're that you're saying his you. nerves aren't firing correctly. Yeah, well, look at his other hand, for God's sake. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> He's like, got the claw. Uh, the claw. No, I, I really, uh, I, I, like, that would have been a perfect time for Kirk to have his fist fight with Khan. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Then he beams aboard. Now, okay, let's go. Let's, let's go. Boom. Let's go, Gimpy. Punching out a cripple. <laughs> Get, up. Well, Get up. Get up. Double axe I mean, handle blows <laughs> at the back of his head. I uh, because fight the fight choreography in Star Trek is always terrible. I'm glad they didn't go. That's that what I'm way. saying. Yeah, but, I do. But that would be one way to go. Like you board the ship to try to take it back over, and you find out you can't for whatever but, reason. But, but in the process, you fight Khan, and Khan is completely crippled and half dead, and right. he still kicks your ass. <laughs> That's how awesome Jesus, Khan that guy's is. Tough. Well, actually, that that is something they do in one of the uh, Song of Ice and Fire books. I don't want to get too spoilery, but there's a character named uh, there's a character who's like the best swordsman in the world, fighting a really tough person. But the you know the the best swordsman has been sort of weakened. And the fight is very even as a result, uh, you know, because the other guy's been hurt and is sort of famished. That's another way you could go with it. You could make it sort of a fair fight, essentially, at that point. Kirk could still get his ass kicked, but at the end of the day. <laughs> with Khan, Khan with one arm burned off his back. Totally. Yeah. yeah. He could still beat or the like, shit out of him. Or like yeah. gladiators, like, you're going to fight the emperor. First, I'm just going to stab you in the kidney. Right. Yeah, and let's go. Let's go. Uh, but it's it's a. I'm so glad they didn't. I think, it, I think the movie works better as a result it's, of this. It's simpler. And as a result, it's more elegant. A lot of times when I'm editing shows, it's it's it, the answer is like, okay, what's can I like can I just get to like what 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 is this scene about? Literally lose everything else. Like we don't need any of the other distractions. Just get there, get out. Right. It's, I was I always well, cut I always cut a scene from the very beginning to the very end of like of all the action, and then before I show it to somebody, I always lop off like the first thirty seconds and like the last minute. I just it just just get there and just get the hell out. It's a, it's a quote I've no I've brought up before in, in down in front commentaries but it comes from nicholas meyer and it specifically comes from uh, his q a at the hero complex but it's his his quote of you know my purpose my hope is that after i finish telling you the story that you understand why i s- sat down and told you that story in the first place and that's that's it that's the same sentiment is like if you don't need it to ultimately understand why i told you that story in the first place get rid of it Right, we don't need to see a fistfight between Kirk and Spock, or between Kirk and Khan, because we've seen them fight in various forms. But wait, by that logic, hours. we wouldn't have a 14-minute lightsaber fight in Range of the Sith. Yep. Yep, yep. you're absolutely right. <laughs> but that, what, but what, would what, do, what would we do exactly without right. the 14-minute... A good story is one that, after I've told it to you, you understand why I wanted to tell you it in the first place. Well, you know, as, you, as I've mentioned and, on the forums, Oh, he also has this quote, which I think applies as well. Every art succeeds by leaving something out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I believe I believe one of us has a sig in some forum which says uh, art consists of not knowing what to add but what to take away. Uh, oh, Perfection yeah. is reached not when there's nothing left to add but when there's nothing left to take away. It's yeah. Saint something austere Pierre Exupere? French French Exupere. guy. The guy wrote Exupere. Little Prince. Well, I mean it, it goes it's by, a good quote. My favorite my favorite quote of all time is uh is from Michelangelo when they said, <laughs> "How did you make David?" and he said, "I took everything away that wasn't David." Yeah, you know, like you see, he took, he took, a, he took a stone, took away everything that wasn't. <laughs> That's the David. old joke, yeah. It's yeah. like you just take a piece of wood and cut away everything that isn't the ship. Well, and, that, and Bruce Lee was much the same way in in, ter- in terms of fighting. He said, "I don't want to learn more techniques. I want to forget more. Like I want to forget more techniques. The less techniques I have, the better I will be for it." 
Now, as I recall, and I haven't seen this movie in a little while, but as I recall, there's a moment coming up where even at the time I felt there was a missing moment, and it could be that I'm just misremembering it. So I'm just I'm putting a pin in that because it's going to come pass by really quick. The interactive lighting between the sky flashing and the ship's flashing was nice. They must have timed the sky flashing to the plate they got. ILM. ILM in its heyday, no less. Ilm. Ilm. Now, what's, Doing now what's, solid work. Yeah. what's great about, what's great Ilm about on this? Film. What's great about this whole sequence is, you know, you kind of like, you go, okay, Spock's going to do the thing and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and at the end, you know, Bones will wave his magic, you know, taser over him and he'll be okay. And the fact that he was like, people were honestly shocked. You know, it's like there was, there was, you know, the internet existed, but it wasn't as powerful or as widespread. <laughs> and people like, you know, this is like Darth Vader is Luke's fucking father. Are you shitting me? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Spock died. You know, well, the fact it, that they actually killed Spock and kept him killed was like, Huh? For okay. one whole movie. Okay, I know. Well, that was the thing. That's why yeah. I hated the cop out at the end. Of the, yeah. Oh, you sons of! If you had committed, I would. I would love you forever. Uh, and well, it's you know that was a that was something Meyer wanted to do, and Roddenberry didn't like. And I don't know if it's officially a part of the public record that Roddenberry was the one who leaked it, but somebody <clears throat> leaked Spock's death to uh, to the public, and yeah. so it was a spoiler. And so as a result, the whole simulator scene in the beginning where all, the whole crew dies is kind of Meyer's answer to that. He's like, oh, well, now everybody knows See, I'm going to kill Spock. Well, yeah. guess what? I'm going to kill Spock and every motherfucking else <laughs> of the crew in the first five minutes. And so that was kind of his heart. I stab See, that's the... how that rumor got started. Oh, for hate's sake, I lo- yeah. this is my favorite line in all movies. I spent my last breath. breath. He, and, he and Barry Bostwick both did really well with this line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barry's great, though. Barry is great. I, Barry's I, great. I don't, I don't great, remember. Did, no, I mean, he's did, like did Barry land awesome. The, did he land the line? Well, he did it in a much different way. Like, he's doing it in a in a little inflatable boat oh, with he's a giant harpoon gun. Oh, he's doing it in a with a gun he made out of plastic. at 60 miles an hour. No, he does it while he's loading up his gun. Is that the gun that he literally made himself? that's the one. God, Barry Bostwick is cool. So, basically, a tree bomb and a nebula made a planet. That's the fucking Death Star. That's the Death Star explosion. In the, uh, in the corner, yeah. looks pretty yeah, uh, bright. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's, it's ILM. It's part of the. It's part and then of the they catalog. show the they show the debris cloud forming around it. So, so, here, hint that so it, make it, a, a planet. I wasn't looking at the exact possible moment, but w- what we didn't get, what I felt I missed, was was Khan seeing the Enterprise warp out. Like, oh fuck! No, you that's s- true. That moment, that moment isn't there. Son of a boom! Yeah, you know, like he knows his beat. Like yeah, that. You, know yeah, that you don't get to see him like this is my revenge. Oh, you cocksucker! Boom! Yeah. You know, she that, you're right. That would have been a nice moment. Yeah. I, you know what? I'd hit it. Uh, Carol still, <laughs> still, still got it going. Girl. Yeah. Listen, if your woman can make planets, yeah, come on, yeah, come on. Yeah. Imagine what she can do. She'd probably stay young longer than the normal too. <laughs> so you get a little genesis, oh, like, mommy, a, like a, mommy, suppos- like a suppository genesis that looks like boop, and you're 17 again. Hey, nice. All right. Yeah, I just I don't like Spock's son, like from from Jump Street. Yeah, and the and the sweater is not helping, dude. The sweater's not helping. Hey, I, lo- I love that that's a, the tip. Is the empty chair. Hey, where's, where the fuck is Spock? And why does he give the con to Savick versus Sulu? It's it's not a training cruise anymore. Don't give the ship to the cadet. Didn't they give the fucking Didn't they give the helm to Wesley a few times? Like I, I think Savick is yeah. the highest ranking officer. Well, not not next to Sulu or Chekhov or Uhura for that matter. 
He pushes the guy out of the way. Yeah, move. <laughs> I'm going to take that ladder cooler Whoa. than any of you motherfuckers. I know there's an elevator, but fuck that shit. Kurt Shatner really did that. Yeah, he yeah, did. He did. That was Have you guys ever tried that? We Is did that, it in one, it looks really one hard. shot, so we know that it was him. Dude, watch the opening title to TJ Hooker. He's jumping on planes. He's oh, like yeah. jumping on cars. He's running through trees. Have you guys a, ever done that a, ladder thing where you put your feet on the outside and slide down? Here's a little known I fact. Never, I never have. I've never. For the record. A little known fact. William Shatner invented parkour. Parkour. TJ Parkour was the original. <laughs> TJ Parkour. Now, by the way, I, I, I remember clearly the experience of having in the in the theater was because it's like okay, the, the emotional roller coaster for people who didn't know what the story was was like they can't possibly kill Spock. So now notice we haven't seen Spock yet. So when he comes in and they go, he's dead already, and we're just looking at this, then people applauded when at this shot because oh, like aha, ah, he's not he's dead not already. Ha ha, see, ha ha, he's gonna be. But then fine. he turns, you know. If and then the, he walks into the glass. People literally applauded, like, oh, see, he's fine because of his Vulcan I, blood and yada, 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 yada. That part boom. breaks my heart every time. He squares himself away before yeah. he starts to walk. And that that breaks like, my dokey. heart. But, uh, but uh, you know. Oh, yes, I'm doing very well. <laughs> Whether that was intentional or not, but, uh, you know, the fact that I remember specifically people applauded because wow. they, they said, you know, he's dead already. And then, oh, see, he's not. And then it's like, and then they, you know, oh, but yeah, up, up, and pull the rug. Sons of bitches. Yeah, th- I mean, this is. <laughs> Uh, you Hollywood bastards. <laughs> you killed my Spock. <laughs> Get a little something on your face there. No. Don't pick at it. If I'm like a mirror, then it's here. Right? <laughs> It'll think, get think, it. think of me like a mirror. It's It'll here. Get infected. Don't pick at it. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> like I was saying, you know, this movie hitting you in, at the right time and like teaching you lessons about life, even though it didn't necessarily mean to. But the, when I first heard that line at five years old, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. I'm, there was something just so true about it that, like, I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of how you should live your life." You know, that's yeah. that to be selfless is to be a hero. Like that, Spock would do it. What would Spock do? It can also mean lead to some pretty heinous things. Of course, yes, uh, as you discover later in life. I mean, yeah. everyone has their hippie moment, but like, as a sort of general, don't take it too seriously principle. It's not. Well, as a general, don't think live. of only yourself. Yeah, don't, don't be such a selfish be about cock. yourself. Yeah. You'll be you're programmed to be a selfish asshole. Try not to be. Try to be better. Well, see, I, I totally took it a different way. It's like I went immediately to the so if you have to kill seventeen people to save seven million, that's how it rolls. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Which is an uncomfortable truth that yeah. well, most of us try to oh, shy away from. Believe me, I thought exactly. about that at five too, and it kind of yeah. fucked me up for a few days. Like We're that. all going to get vaccinated. Only a couple of us are going to die from that. Right. That's how you make an Eddie. You just take all of the uncomfortable truths of human life <laughs> and give them to a kid at age five. Yep. That's, that's <laughs> along pretty with, much it. Along with some caffeine and maybe it, a juice box. Some caffeine <laughs> and a comic book. It leads to a, it leads to a, it Capri leads to Sun. a, a nice existential crisis at eight. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, it's kind of... Dude, Capri Sun is good. No, existential, not midlife. Existential crisis. Why isn't there a novelty, like, mixed drink you can get at bars that's a Capri Sun vodka or something like that? Because Capri Sun is, like, the sweetest it's fluid sweet. ever. It's like Hawaiian punch. That was honestly the Warp Core breach of the Las Vegas Hilton Star Trek experience. Like, it was nothing but, like, sickly sweet stuff with vodka uh, in it. And it was just... It, and smoking, because it had... That a, we had my 21st, we had my 21st birthday in Las Vegas. My sister was there at the time. She would have been... Fifteen, oh, and we we were we were surreptitiously giving her adios, motherfuckers, right? <laughs> Which is basically nice. it looks like the blue fluid in toilets, only it's made of every kind of alcohol. I, I do gotta say, with I, no mixture. I like the subtle <laughs> subtle run burying going on here that the Starfleet flag looks like the UN flag, yeah. like it's yeah. sort of. A, I was well, gonna that, say that predi- by the way, Spock just died in the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, and look at the well, rack. No, that's of, what I'm saying. It's look at like, the rack of Savick. Hello, I, I didn't watch the show before this, but even even not knowing much before this movie, I knew that Spock dying was like a, a so big fucking deal. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh. I knew that then, too. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm like, what's happening in my pants here, Chris <laughs> I feel funny. 
That's, I started watching Please Cheers. Take me where no man has saw, gone before. <laughs> this is not logical. Something cool Great about line. this. Something Great cool line. about this. Here comes the line. Yeah. Oh, here it comes. Look at the choking oh, on it. The little, the little mouth lip quiver. We should, we should, we should clock this Has pause. His was the most. What? Five, six, seven, seven eight, eight, nine, nine ten, ten, eleven. Oh, oh, we went, we went, we went six seconds. You're... You crazy madman. Something cool about this is uh, I Jim on the forums. Uh, when he was a kid, his best friend's dad died in a helicopter. <laughs> Did you see crash. that? They had oh one, shit! They had one more cutaway to his lip quiver. Yeah. Just, just, just in case you didn't notice. Yeah, like, his his friends, uh, when he was a kid, his friend's dad died in a helicopter crash, and he was a huge Star Trek fan. And they played this particular track of the orchestral oh. swelling of... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Of course, at the time I was watching this last night, he hadn't told me that anecdote yet. I, I found that out after. So I just went... <laughs> the bag parts start playing. I'm like, who brought those? <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. Don't bring those. It's a given between... Uh, you know, we built spaceships to get away from Scotland. Uh, <laughs> between two of my best friends from college who are also major Star Trek fans, that whichever one of us dies first, the uh, you know, another one of the surviving ones will give that eulogy. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing about his was the most human. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! My tr- from space sector. Wait, to space you, sector. Is, it, is it stipulated that there has to be the six second pause? Well, we're going to do it the right way, duh. Oh, yeah, they'll actually be grieving and crying and quivering, and, and we're going to be yes, we're going to have somebody on the bagpipes. Yeah, you're damn right, we're doing it right. <laughs> The broken glasses, are, it's it's done such a nice touch. Mm. Like, oh, shit. Klingon bastard broke my glasses. Broke my glasses. There's no lens crafters in space. This is the moment where he reignites the lightsaber and finishes Ryan. That's right. I'll just hold my, yeah. He's just, oh, God. But it's such a nice, this this is like the proper sort of denouement. Like, it definitely felt like we were going to be doing other movies after this, and I couldn't wait. And, of course, we got Star Trek Three. And but, it is kind of interesting how quickly and 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 just like, and he's dead. Wait, what was yeah. what was Search for Spock about? Obviously, searching for Spock. But what was like the thingy that was going? Them yeah. going to Genesis. Chris, Christopher Lloyd the Genesis. Klingon. Yeah. Oh, that Lloyd. one. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Genesis. I want it. Yeah, the Genesis plan was existing, but it was unstable. It was breaking apart. Meanwhile, Spock was there rapidly re And it made Spock grow up again. It made Spock grow up again, and they had to reunite the piece of Spock inside a spot inside the a, body yeah, of Spock. Of I remember that Spock. being my least yeah. favorite of the ones I was watching. I yeah, actually, me too. I, I think. I, I mean, it's 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 not nearly as great of a movie as Wrath of Khan or Voyage Home. And I think it. Well, in, until we revisited Temple of Doom, I would have christened it with the Temple of Doom syndrome, as in a decent movie that has the unfortunate to be uh, sandwiched between two amazing movies. Temple of Doom does not fit into that category anymore after we revisited it. But I still think uh, Search for Spock is a solid film. So we should call it Search for Spock category now. The Search for Spock. Spock I, I, Temple of Doom syndrome doesn't work anymore. I just want to say that's kind of a big deal. Like Kirk just put himself on blast. Like He basically just said, I've cheated death way too many times I'm supposed to be, and I thought I was clever doing it. I know nothing. And like he's, I'm he, worthless. So, Everything I've ever thought I knew, I was yeah, totally wrong. I, and, like that's, and, and, that's, and that would not – I don't think that would have existed under a Roddenberry Star Trek movie. I don't think no. you would have had that moment under – which is to say – I mean, I think Roddenberry is, is a great guy and a genius, and I think he put a lot of good stuff together, but – when you get so close to your characters, you you can only take them so far. Like I think you need to have somebody take them. Some, it was either else. it was either Harlan Ellison or David Gerald. I forget which one. But when especially when the first movie came out, they both wrote opinions of it, and and when they were not positive ones, and one of the two of them said that the transition from, you know, Roddenberry the. Oh my God! I've got I've got a TV show in the air, mm-hmm. you know, and just tap dancing and like, okay, what do we do this week? Uh, Nazis in space, we. Um, 
had be, had had sort of bought into his own press right. by the time yeah. the movie and now it's right. like, now I have this precious thing this changing my, lives my gift to mankind yeah. that I must preserve and, and it's, it's the future it's a, a way rare jewel I'm a philosopher yeah yeah exactly it's, it's a Lady Gaga and, and, and you know and, and Meyer came but in Michael and said, Jackson or George Lucas or yeah. Saddam Hussein it's yeah. the same principle yeah exactly and and Meyer was the one in this in this at this round who came I could never let's just make it like a fucking fun movie yeah. can we just do that let's tell a story yeah that's the thing is Roddenberry lost you know he, when he started buying into his own press and you know star trek became the sacred thing to him it stopped being about telling a good story yeah. that communicated something about how human beings should live their lives right and that's what nicholas meyer was able to to bring in and re-inject into the into the franchise with wrath of Khan. It's like okay these these are human beings and let's put them through some shit and we'll have them figure something out about their own lives yep and hopefully as a result be able to tell the audience something about their own lives deforest kelly looks like et <laughs> He's a weird looking guy. I like him a lot. And it's weird because Oh, I it, hate him. I can't stand the fuck. It, it's in the scene it's in the scene where it, it's in the scene $50. where he's getting mad about Genesis at Spock. Yeah. yeah. That I recognize what Carl Urban was doing. Yeah. Because totally, Carl Urban totally. as soon as when that happened, I was like, Oh, I get the performance Star Trek JJ Star Trek. That was the only performance that really is kind of in this and that and we can do it in a day. And that, that that way of talking That was the only performance in the new track that was like a direct mimic of the of the interpretation of the character, and I was fine that it was that character and done that way. Uh, because that you need that because he will brook no party in the back. But yeah, this is this is how I you know this is like <laughs> this is sort of the it's a Riddick the, callback. The, the movie builds up to that moment. This is how old, how do you feel? Young. I feel young, and yep. that's and it and it's everything the most every earned moment. I ca- I ca- every moment, every line of dialogue, every single frame, all ties back into one cohesive thematic statement. Yeah, I call and, uh, that, I call that, that is a sentence that, that is simple, that is elegant, that is how stories and movies should be. So now, here, if I was going to redo this and do, and do, I would do it exactly the same. Except when we got to Spock's coffin, I would just see a fist punch through. It. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek Three: Spock's pissed. Spock's, Spock's incredi- zombie right. Spock, the Incredible Spock. We, Spock must die. Planet which the, Spock, which was the first or actual uh, Star Trek novel, was called Spock Must Die, which I which I hmm. owned at the time. I, the, the, by James Blish. The dorkiest novel I own in my library is the cast, or the the Star Trek Enterprise Next Generation meets the X Men. Um, <laughs> it's an actual book. Eddie, it was, actually wow. written by. It was a God. gift. It was a gift from my ex girlfriend. Stop who telling at, me these things. I want to like you. Who worked at a Barnes and Noble? She's like, I've got something for you, and I'm thinking like, Jesus. sweet. So I'm sure I you love do. gifts, and yeah. yet and yet she hands me that, and I'm like, I have to read this. Now. You read it. You read I it. I totally read it. And. Yeah. It's a book. It, it ex- <laughs> no, it exists solely for the purpose of making the joke about how Captain Picard and Professor X look that, alike. It, it, the, that the, is the <laughs> only reason that book exists. It literally comes dead I've middle heard in the book. It, that joke comes, like the, the little innuendo comes dead center in the middle of the book. I, you know, now, what's the significance of this with Spock uh, saying it? He's, he's alive in our memory. Because it's continuing. Right, because he, it's, yeah. continuing. Alive. it's the continuing voyage yeah. of or the ongoing mission. Yeah. Yeah. The ongoing mission. Now, even at the time... It's I, more than him. Even though I objected to the day, oh, God, you know, it's like... But I still thought, again, not, not like recognizing the depths to which studio people in Star Trek II can, st- can stoop. But I was like, okay, so his coffin landed on the new planet. Cool. That's like burying him on the planet. I get it. He's still fucking dead, so it's not like they couldn't possibly... Oh, you, and then the movie, the next movie, you're like, oh, you sons of bitches. Dude, I've Jesus. Been, yeah. I've been reading comic books so fucking long, like, I'm, I'm not... I mean, when someone I know dies, like, I'm like, ah, they'll bring him back Yeah, yeah so they'll find... Yeah. Some, some scientists will find a way to They brought back, back Bucky. They can bring back fucking anyone. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's really unfortunate, but obviously, you know, the entire history of the world would have been different if they'd committed to... Kill, they would have found a way right. to bring him back no matter what. So, Wrath of Khan, um, did you did you 
enjoy it more on this third viewing? I enjoyed it more on this third viewing than I did the second time. Not as much as the first time. Uh, I, it's just, at this point, I kind of, the simplicity of the story oh. has, has ceased to be a detriment, I guess is the best way I could say it. So it doesn't really bother me that it's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for like a surprise or something like that. You never really get it. You get a guy, you get fucking Moby Dick. You get Ahab going after the white whale. That's it. And that's what the movie is. And it's good. And I still think most of the performances are awful, except for Spock and Khan. Uh, and, and, and Shatner, Shatner, uh, DeForest Kelly, yeah, kind of, kind of. He, he's, um, a little, he's a little broad at a couple of times. Just the whole thing is kind of... The character is broad, I would yeah. say that. This, I don't think... I don't, I, I he think, gets off on his Genesis rant a little crazy. Like, well, dude, easy, dial it down. But anyway, no, I, I, no, I nobody saw, defends yeah. against this argument, but I'll make it anyway. It would be dishonest to say this to, to claim that this movie isn't campy. I mean, it's oh, this yeah. is oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's pulpy. It's, I, it's I don't think anyone who likes it says, no, it's not campy. It's just, yeah, but it's good. And campy is what I pick up off of it, but it's good and it does its thing and it does set up and pay off pretty well and I have to give it to it. It's a good Star Trek movie. It's not my favorite, but which is your favorite again? 6. JJ's. Oh, JJ's. Of the original oh. set, it would be uh, it would be probably Voyage Home. Okay. I enjoy Voyage Home. Yeah. I think but Voyage, that's just because it's the most airy. Voyage Home kind of finds the balance and kind of like, okay. And yeah, for the Voyage opposite reason, because Voyage Home, for all of its weirdness and, and wackiness, it is it feels much more uh, modern to me just in terms of how airy it is. It doesn't feel like a stuffy 60s era sci-fi world. It feels more like, all right, well, this is kind of weird, but hear me out. We just need to get this, this whale thing. Bill Couch, <laughs> anyway. old, old-timey uh, stunt coordinator. This is, but it's a good this movie. the end of his career, I think. Brian, we did, uh, we did Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. We did. You happy face? <laughs> I am happy face. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know really what else there is to say other than I mean, think, think this is, you know, even if you, even if you hate Star Trek, even if you've never seen a frame of Star Trek in your life, I think this is absolutely one of those movies to watch from a storytelling standpoint and really dissect and uh, and and study for how to tell a story because it's it's Nicholas Meyer is taking okay is taking a thematic idea and he's, he took all of these disparate elements that are that already existed. And he decided, okay, this is what the story is going to be about. This singular idea, and now building, and then took and built all of the various elements that he had, threw away what didn't fit into that scheme, and built on what did fit into that scheme, and organized everything around that idea. And that's what storytelling, when it's done well, that's what it is. And it's, it's like Eddie said, it's very simple and it's very elegant. Here's, here's this idea, and here's everything that builds off of this, but you can still trace a direct line back to it. Every, Every moment of human behavior, t- down to every detail of the set design, it all goes back. It's telling to that you idea. how Kirk is getting his groove back. It's telling you, okay, here's here's how this character is behaving, and the right way. Here's how this character is behaving the wrong way, and in somewhere in there is a lesson about how you should behave, and that is storytelling, I think, at its finest. And uh, I think Rathacon is an absolute exemplary example of that. Now. Uh, I- Lauren Carpenter, Ed Catmull, wee wee, yay, Alvy Ray Smith. Why are you at the bottom of the stack? Anyway, the thing at the <laughs> he top... He brought the coffee. <laughs> he designed the damn thing. <laughs> it's anyway. 82. Um, the, uh, the other cool thing is, uh, of the two visual effects supervisors listed, Ken Ralston was one of them, which is good. I'm gonna, Ken Rall- I have my visual effects supervisor's trading cards, and Ken Ralston's my favorite. I keep it in plastic. <laughs> anyway, Eddie? Yes. Wrath of Khan. Uh, totally bulletproof for me. I mean, it's at this point in my life, like, it, I recognize everything. Were you saying. worried that we were going to find something to nah, hate about it? I, I, I said it, there's but I kind of... hate I, about Rathacon. Well, I'm sure, that, I'm sure someone is. I'm sure someone who's angry at life and, you know, whatever. But, like... <laughs> I, He's going to die angry and miss everything cool. Right, and die cold, <laughs> cold wet, and alone. Um, but, no, I, I think that... I think, uh, for me, like I said, I've, I've illustrated my personal affection and affinity for this movie. I do recognize the campiness. I do recognize the pulpiness of it. However, 
I recognize the campiness and pulpiness of Errol Flynn movies. I recognize the campiness of uh, Treasure Sierra Madre, which is, you know, at times very campy, I think. And, you know, there's, I mean, but the, at the end of the day, it's a good, uh, familiar uh, yarn. And, um, at, again, this just happened to T-bone me at the point in my life where I was able to start to grasp certain co- concepts. I was not expecting this Probably movie. not ready for him. That's what I'm saying. I wasn't ready for him, <laughs> but, like, I was, I was ready enough. I probably shouldn't have seen it at this age, or at least not without guidance or discussion. Uh, but that's you know something hopefully I can do correctly with my son. Um, but no, I, I think that's. It. So what you're telling us is your parents screwed you up. They fucked up so bad. Um, <laughs> that's all right. No, all parents they, uh, do. They, I'm fucking. It There's up. no just, test just, required. Just like Patton Oswalt says, you know, I'm reading all the books. I'm doing the best I can. I'm ruining them. You yeah. know, like I'm. I'm sure I'll find out in 40 years how I fucked up. But point is, is that I uh, this movie for me uh, is great. I think on a technical level, it's got a lot of merits. On a script level, I think it's very strong. Performance level, eh. uh, but I think it's it's again for me it's bulletproof. I think it's um, yeah. What Brian said that it presents two sides of a way of, of how to behave, and one is, should be better than another. I would just say differently. It's it's it shows the causes and effects. It's a it's a cautionary mm-hmm. tale as opposed to like a a preachy tell you how to be. I think uh, it's more like hey, these two guys are very similar. One guy makes one choice that's a little bit different, and this is how it goes. And that's a that's a good what, thing to find in a movie. One guy is able to learn from his mistakes yeah. while the other person isn't. One guy one guy has just a pinch more humility. <laughs> yeah. Not much. But it's, just so enough. it's not just about abs then. Not just about abs. Wow. One guy has a clearly better defined chest. But, <laughs> or uh, pecs, and one guy is a slightly doughy mess. But uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and that just goes to show. <laughs> that just goes to show you. The doughy mess can sometimes rise. Eat your cupcakes, kids. <laughs> Trey Stokes? Yeah, it's it's I I can't help uh, you know, it like all of you come to it uh, historically. How you, you you came to it as an adult later, you know, and and I came to it as, as an adult as well. So actually, Teague and I have kind of a contiguous experience. Uh, weirdly enough, we're approximately the same age when we saw this movie. It's weird how that worked out. Uh, whereas for you guys, it's a, a childhood memory. But uh, I, for me, this movie still mostly stands as you know, oh my god, that Nicholas Meyer dude who wrote the Sherlock Holmes book somehow just fucking saved Star Trek. That's so weird. You know that he, you know that he, 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 he wrote one best-selling novel. Then he did one successful movie, and now he's the savior of Star Trek. And uh, you know, and he, it's, it's just, it's hard to imagine what the history of Star Trek. They surely would have rebooted it at some point, and we would still have Star Trek in our world. It wouldn't have been forgotten or anything. But this, there would not have been six more movies in a in an endless series if Nicholas Meyer hadn't, you know, pulled them out of the death dive that they were in after the first movie. So. So just the sheer the sheer weirdness of the fact that this movie is this, the significance of this movie is we probably wouldn't have nearly the history of Star Trek that we have had for for the thirty years since if Meyer hadn't hadn't shown up and and you know saviored this flick and and that that has almost more significance than whether or not the film itself is good or holds up the the issue was it was so much better and so much like everyone kind of went. Oh, okay. You know, people who didn't love Star Trek go, oh, okay, so it's not the sucky, the sucky talk fest thing. It's supposed to be like this. Oh, okay. And, and I think that rejuvenated the fandom as well. All right. There's, there's so much money in a franchise if you can, if you can do it well. Yeah. It's, it's such a law of diminishing returns where you, know, you get something amazing. Somebody makes something amazing. Oh, we should do a sequel of that. Okay, so you start doing sequels, and they gradually will get worse and worse. Or not you never gra- get to the door. Not not yeah. gradually, in some cases. Zeno's sequel paradox. Yeah, yeah exactly. like it's the point where it's like, they will wring as much money from that stone of a franchise as they can until they can't wring anything else out of it. And it's just a matter of, if you can, if you can keep making those things good, then you can make money for that 
for that franchise and for that studio for ages and ages to come. Look at, I mean, look how long Wrath of Khan was ago compared to Nemesis. We will even ignore the rebooting. You know, 1982 to 2002. So that's 20 years of, <laughs> yeah, 20 of years. It's like, mediocre to shitty, really shitty movies that they kept pumping money out dude, of. Dude, look at Sherlock Holmes. Yeah? Not the movies. Look at the TV show from the BBC. Anyway, you can make a thing last a long time if it's good enough. <laughs> was that a paid product placement you just did there? I really like, was, I really like Sherlock. Non sequitur. I like Sherlock. <laughs> and, and you know what else is good? Noxzema is good for acne. I'm a big fan of... Uh, that relates to what we were just talking about. <laughs> big cars and boner pills. So Remember what I was saying about everything relating back to the theme? Yeah. 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 This yeah. has been Down in Front. Thank you much for listening. Uh, you can always find us at downinfront.net. Oh, God, I haven't done this in so long. How does this go? Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's a whole new year. Go. Down in front. You can always find us at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash downinfront. Facebook Down in Front Show. Email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Subscribe to the forum. Register at the forums. Involve yourself in the conversation. It's a really amazing fucking community, and it's just been blowing up. It's really great. A lot of smart people talk talking about things and playing games like movie title shit. It's, it's cool. It's good. It's good. Go to the forum. Be a part of that. That's where we announce the live shows, which happen every week at downinfront.net slash live. But you have to go to the forum or follow on Twitter to know when and where and watch movies and all that stuff to prepare yourself for it. Um, what else is there? There's Matt Fade Veda, who does show notes and chapter breaks on iTunes when I give him stuff, but I never do because I suck. But Matt Fade Veda is a cool guy. Holden Hill. Design and maintain this the website. Like an AA meeting. <laughs> Be sure to check out the intermission episodes. There's a stack of intermission episodes at downinfront.net slash intermission. You might like it a lot. Just give it a shot. Uh, and until next week. Oh, yeah. Buy our shirts. Just do it. Just fucking do or, or it. Or buy a shirt, you fucking hippie. Whatever. PayPal, I am asking. <laughs> yeah, PayPal. PayPal, give us money for pizza and stuff and food and beer. Uh, oh, fuck. My name is T. Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Finifter. Eddie Dewey. And I have been and always shall be. Thank well you much for listening. Done. Good night and good night. Peace and long life. See, I'm the version. I, see, I'm the thing where if too much time passes between one and the other, then it gets really bad. Right. <laughs> not to mention, not that, like Sherlock Holmes. Not to mention that half that speech is is needs to be rewritten. Pretty, yeah, pretty soon. Pretty, pretty soon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and there. Oh, by the way, we have to do a we have to do a final con. Says the chat room. Oh shit. Oh, all right. Three, two, one. Con. Well, that that blew out my ear. Con, you bloodsucker. <laughs> friendsinyourhead.com